0: You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Eric, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss the 2009 film Avatar.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and unaffiliated, to the end of this podcast's retrospective on James Cavern's Avatar till Avatar Way of Water is released. And then <laughs> if he makes another one okay. after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think you're jumping the gun here, but but I guess that's I guess that's fair. This is a technically the end of his yes. yeah run so far, what's released.
1: Yeah. Oh. So we've we've reached the end. We have, we have reached the end, and it's, it's us three here, myself, Caleb, and Eric. Thank you guys for joining us uh, on this journey. I think it was pretty awesome. I don't know if we'll have to do like a... <laughs> I guess we're going to technically have to do an overview. Not an overview, but we'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll do like an overview post this movie, uh, whether it's like for the episode. Oh, or... uh,
0: next episode.
1: Yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> um. But yeah, so we've we've arrived at Jimmy's Okay, what's the sec what's second to Magnum Opus?
0: Penultimate. Penultimate,
1: okay. Well no, because Magnum Opus was Titanic. Oh Unless there's debate here. Unless there's debate here. Mm. There's debate here. Uh, we could have a debate here, but like is is Titanic his Magnum Opus or is this his Magnum Opus or whatever the you know, lower one second place to it.
0: Let's reserve judgment for his next uh, three hour long epic.
1: Is it
2: only going to be three hours long? Is that confirmed? Three
1: hours with no intermission.
0: Uh, Three hours and ten minutes (laughs) is the released uh, time that it's apparently going to be, so. Oh boy.
1: (laughs) Um, Eric, I got to ask. So on Disney Plus, do they have. Does Disney Plus have the extended edition of Avatar?
2: It's the standard edition.
1: Okay, thank you very much. Mm. Because. I'm watching that right now, basically, uh, as we talk about this movie.
2: Yeah, that's a good place to
0: start. Have any of you guys seen the extended one? Because I've never never watched it.
2: Absolutely. I just okay. watched it last night. Oh. <laughs> Nicely done.
0: Oh, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm happy to hear what the kind of differences are, because I've never heard anyone talk about the extended version. It's always just been a disc that I've seen, but I never heard if it added any, anything or if it was just... Like, 10 minutes longer. I, I don't know what the runtime difference is. Do you, do you know?
2: Yeah, it's about 13 or so minutes longer.
0: Okay. Okay, so...
1: Sorry. Director's cut. Let's Let's be real here. <laughs> Going through all of his movies, it's director's cut. Sorry, I have to make mention of that.
0: Yeah, so not like one of his old, like, hugely substantial changes. But there there is a chunk there.
1: Oh, uh, it's no aliens. Like, that...
0: Yeah. Sure. The abyss. <laughs>
1: well, apparently... Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, Eric, because I... Either we, either we have the, I, I have no idea if we have the physical extended cut of this film from like years ago DVD, excuse me, uh, that my parents have. But wasn't there scenes of uh, Jake on Earth? Yes. Like we actually see more of the oh, civilization wow. itself. Mm-hmm.
2: That's the that's the mass, That's the vast majority of it. Okay.
0: Oh wow, that's really okay.
2: Huh. I was right.
0: And you? Well, I guess we'll. I guess we'll get into the the details of that after. But yeah. Yeah, I wanted to start with initial thoughts, kind of talking about when we first saw it and what we thought compared to revisiting it now, and I wanted to start with you, Isaac. Because I actually don't know. Did you see this in the theater back in the
3: day? Hang on a second. Sorry. I'm...
0: Nope. I'm pulling out the, the ticket. To...
1: Yep. <laughs> my stubs. I'm gonna... I don't think my
0: stubs go back this far. I think I wasn't collecting them at that point.
1: Well, I mean, my first technical stub is uh, WWE... Uh, I think Oh WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania or whatever. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty four, yeah. W W E WrestleMania twenty 2020, twenty or twenty twenty four. Twenty four, excuse me. Um let's see. Indiana Jones, Transformers, uh Revenge of the Fallen. Does not look like I have my ticket. Never mind. Okay. Uh, I have this is it in there though, from like July wait, is it June June eleventh? 2009, Interesting. Okay. Um, so I remember watching av- James Cameron's Avatar uh, in, I think it was 2010, January of 2010, because it was released in December of 2009. I don't remember the exact release date. Eric knows that. I know that for a fact. But <laughs> <haven't> um, <laughs> he hasn't memorized It's in his brain somewhere. No, no. Um, and I think I saw it twice, I believe, and, uh, golly, sorry, I'm trying to remember this now, uh, I remember I saw it after I did a piano recital, um, in 2000, yeah, in 2010, um, and it was, yeah, it was a month before the Olympics were held here, uh, in our home, so, oh, yes, Hmm. yes, so, yeah, I watched it, and as a teenager, I was, uh, what was I there, 2009, so I was in grade 10, 14 uh, year old me loved it
0: <laughs> mm. yeah and had you had you come back to it over the years or was it just kind of you saw it in the theater and maybe once or twice but not something that you returned to again and again
1: as you would say I didn't reach for it but I still remember having uh, good memories of it and I, I made some fan fictions up about it uh, cross oh. fan fictions as well with some other of my um, favorite franchises but that's uh, neither here nor there uh, I did actually. What I reached for more was the video game of this of this film, the tie-in video game released on oh, the 360 wow. and PS3. That's what I looked more towards because it could give me uh, an interactive experience of going into that world. I know it's not for you know 100 the the movie itself. Obviously, it's one of those. Again, that was in the era of where you know it's a licensed game, so you kind of can't do the story um, verbatim, unfortunately. Now you nowadays you can but you can't do it verbatim and uh you have to make this prequel up basically but still what they they did it was, it was a lot of fun so i I'd, I'd recommend the game if anybody can find it on PS3 uh and Xbox 360 i think it's on PC as well so go ahead and you know download that if you can
0: <laughs> wow that's that's fascinating yeah i didn't realize that you played that oh hmm. well, but how about you eric I know, i'm assuming you saw this in the theater and uh... I've seen it many times since then.
2: So. I'm certain I saw it opening weekend. Um, yeah, I saw it six times at the theater. Um, always in 3D on varying formats. And I, I just remember that those experiences were kind of different depending on like the size of the mm. screen or the 3D technology because there's different 3D technology at, um, at different theaters. Um, but yeah. And then I was obsessed with it. Obviously, I saw it six times in the theater. Um, and I think I, I probably bought it when it first came out on Blu-ray. And then after that, I, did, I never really revisited it for a very long time. Um, and it wasn't until... Hmm, I guess it wasn't until me and Sean did it a, a year or so ago that I finally watched it again. Um, so I probably didn't watch it at all after 2010 I probably didn't watch it at all until about a year ago um and that was the first time I watched the extended version um and I hadn't watched it again until until yesterday and that's it so overall viewings actually not very many when you think about it which Hmm. is actually the case for me I mean going back to the thing about Titanic as well when you think in the grand scheme of things both of these movies I haven't watched that like less than uh well, less than ten times for sure for Avatar, and not even five times for Titanic, probably.
0: Yeah. Do you think the length maybe has something to do with that?
2: <laughs> kinda, kinda, yeah. Um, and then I don't know what it is or what it was, but as time passed um, after the movie, you know, initially came out, I don't, I don't know. I it just, I don't know what it is. What is it about certain movies that make you jump into them over and over again, and it it wasn't just the length um it just i don't know it's like it's like i compartmentalized it or something and kind of like put it away into deep storage i mean uh you know uh subconsciously or something
0: yeah maybe it comes down to you saw it enough times in the theater that you got your fill for a while i mean that's how i felt i also saw it six times in the theater um not necessarily by choice i probably would have seen it like twice in the theater if it was just me but I had a bunch of friends and my sister especially. They just kept wanting to go back. They love living in this world. And so Yeah, I saw it six times. And I will I remember loving it on the first viewing. By the time I got to the end, really I was I was more like I could I just never want to sit to another another three D movie. Like I kept getting uh, massive eye strain every time I'd watch this. But I did remember the first time thinking that the 3D was incredible. And my parents actually bought a, a home 3D TV. And I watched Avatar on that TV. Um, and I, but I think after watching it at home, I probably didn't watch it again until... Mm, like maybe like 2018, something like that. And I remember at the time being like, Oh wow, this movie really does not hold up well on the small screen. It feels overlong. And like the, the action scenes feel a lot less interesting when they're not in 3D. But then me and Isaac just... Uh, was it last month or the month before that... We went and saw it again in the theater.
1: October. A, it was on awesome Sunday.
0: And I was actually taken by it again, so maybe there is something to this movie just playing well on a, a big screen with the big sound. Um, again, I did suffer from eye strength, because we saw it in 3D. But I was very much taken by it at the theater there. And then watching it at home yesterday, I was admittedly less into it again. So I wonder if there is some sort of dynamic there that's that's playing,
2: um, either with just me personally or... It's funny, because I just thought like the, the addendum to my answer just when you started giving yours, which, yes, it's a 3D element because because that's part of what made it so flippin' amazing that, made, that drew me back six times was the overall experience. And, yeah, it is definitely not the same in 2D. And, yes, I also had a small 3D-capable TV, um, and I did watch it a little bit, not in, in full length, but I'd watch pieces of it. And it still looked really cool at home in 3D, but but because the screen I had was relatively small, it still wasn't the same experience because it wasn't all enveloping, you know. Um, and so I guess that that's pro- that probably like added a lot um, to to why I didn't revisit it that much because it was it was like losing that really important element to the movie.
0: I was curious for you, Isaac, because we we purposely didn't talk about the movie much after we saw it. And I was curious since you also had the same experience with me seeing it in the theater recently and then watching it on the small screen. Did you also feel like a slight difference in quality or a difference in your engagement in the movie?
1: Yeah, so uh, not to divert from what you're saying, one, it was October 2nd, by the way. So, wow, that was like (laughs) almost two months ago. That's hilarious. Um, Two, Sorry to sidetrack, Eric. I wanted to ask, um, what recording of this is, is it for you of Avatar? Because you, you said you've recorded, uh, uh, you you talking about Avatar more than three times, correct?
2: Yeah, I think this would be the fifth. Okay, wow. For a Which podcast. Interesting, okay. I think we wow. did like three in 2009, and then I did the one with Sean. and then this. Wow.
0: Yeah, Sci-Fi Party Line, they couldn't stop talking about it. Yeah, sheesh, fair enough.
2: How could, if you were doing a sci fi podcast in the year t- <laughs> 2009, as those of us who've been podcasting remember, that was, it felt like the year that sci fi was reborn in general. Um, yeah, that was a We've really huge year. This. And so it, it just, I was like, what is happening? I, I felt the world was spinning at that time. Like, what is going on? I can't believe this. Um, and of course, Avatar was the juggernaut of them all in that particular year yeah followed second closely
1: by uh Terminator salvation
0: oh i would think star trek
1: i don't know what you're talking about <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but isaac about the uh the, the 3d different 3d experiences <laughs> yes of course
1: um yeah this movie works as 3d I, I i don't know what to tell you man like i didn't have any eye strain whatsoever me that's just my eyes i have no idea my friend but
0: Oh, I thought I remember seeing you take off the glasses a couple times near the end there. I thought I remember seeing that.
1: Okay, maybe maybe I did. I think I was just scratching my eyes. Uh, okay. Maybe that was eye strain as well. I don't I, know. I uh, or maybe I was just doing that to emulate you. I, I couldn't tell you. Kind of <laughs> yeah, because
0: I was taking them off a lot.
1: That's, that's all I mean. Um, and I can't, I can't tell because like, the only other 3D movie I think somebody was like recommend, maybe this was the Nostalgia Critic, was like freaking How to Train Your Dragon. I don't know if that came in 3D or not, but like... I'm sure it did
2: yeah it had to have
1: i i'm too bi- I'm biased i don't even bias i just i i'm i'm too ignorant and uneducated to know what the best like 3d and not 3d animation but like 3d movie there is out there i just i have to give it this one because <laughs> i can't think of anything else
0: prometheus fair points <laughs> no
1: no
2: no 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 no
0: prometheus was amazing in 3d imax 3d in particular
2: this is like head and shoulders, I think, a bit above all the others in ter- if we're just rating it in terms of 3D. Uh, another notable movie I remember that also is not the same in 2D. I mean, that's how much 3D plays into it. Not many people have seen Yugo by Martin Scorsese, but you had to see it at the theater. You had to see it at the theater. It's just not the same at home. Um, that 3D also blew me out of my pants. Not Not as... Not as much as Avatar did, but it, like the Yugo movie at the theater, is like a storybook come to life—a storybook that's like the size of you know a movie screen. Uh, It it was fantastic. Made a good attempt at the 3D. Thank you, sir. Yeah, but Mm. but those like the most notable. I mean, because yeah, those only two that that stick to the front of my memory of the who knows 25 3D movies I've seen it. Um,
0: (laughs) Wow! Only 25. Wow. I've seen too many, I'm scarred.
1: <laughs> yeah, your eyes are literally scarred. So.
0: Not by choice, too. Most of the time, it was other people. I'd be like, can we please go see regular? <laughs> They'd be like, what? You you don't, want, you don't want to see in 3D? So I was like, man. Even now, you're still annoyed
2: that like the way of water is in 3D.
0: Oh yeah, no, I, I absolutely don't want to sit for three hours. Oh
2: no, I absolutely want no. to see that in 3D.
0: Three hours, my eyes are going to be just bugging out of my head. We but... got
1: discourse here. We got we, <laughs> we got disagreements. Let's go. I mean, just bring
2: water droplets, right, or whatever. <laughs> no,
0: no, the the movie will provide that. The 3D, the water will come right into my eye.
2: Well, I wonder if it makes does it. Have you noticed, like, does do the two prevailing formats affect you differently with eye strain for 3D?
0: Um, I think I've only ever seen the real 3d I don't think I've seen the one with the like the battery operated
2: oh um, um equivalent real 3d was is my preference of the two i I can't stand the battery one um hmm. so yeah so yeah,
0: yeah I've never seen it here in our our local theater chains um but moving past our uh, kind of initial experience with the 3d watching at home now um yeah like where do we start here because <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay well here i I should have put this in my preamble. I completely forgot. So, you know, you, you remember Empire Theaters, right, Caleb? Or the Empire Theaters? Yes, Always, You know, so. what it used to be, what Landmark is now, but was the Empire yeah. Theater where it actually had personality It is not sterile. Sorry. Um, but anyways. It's really
0: cool. Yeah.
1: They had a movie posters, uh, which only, I think, freaking, I think, New West's Landmark technically has. They still have movie posters Advertising, you know what movies are coming out, especially when it's like right next to the train But anyways, <laughs> so they had James Cameron's Avatar earlier in the year, or some sometime in like July or August of two thousand nine, because why not to advertise? And I look, I take one look at it, and I'm like, how does this have anything to do with Avatar: The Last Airbender? <laughs> I have yes. no complete idea what's going on here and you know there was that trailer from revenge of the fallen that was talked was also you know the last airbender i'm like how does this have anything to do with the show can he just take can i don't know who james cameron is at that point i didn't like fully know who he was but, like can you just take avatar is that even like legal like is he gonna get sued by um paramount or not paramount but the guys who made because uh, i didn't know their names at the time but like mike and brian from from avatar last airbender i'm like what what is this and that's just teenage brain ignorance and naive naive naivety there so it was there was some confusion there where i'm like is this anything related to avatar and it still bugs me to this day every time i search up avatar wiki on google even though i have it technically saved it still will sometimes go like it'll put either like james cameron's avatar or like avatar the last and the the latter has way more entries in it than like you know the former does for pit's sake, so like there's only there's this movie, there's I think like a book, and then like you know extra canonical material, and then the video game, and that's it. Whereas like Avatar has way more, like Last Airbender has way more stuff than, than that. <laughs> Sorry, rant over, <laughs> or at least confusion over. Yes, yeah,
0: so that's definitely a side trail, but um, that gave me time to think of where to go for our first, uh, at least for me, it's one of the most impactful, potentially a negative way things with the movie is our lead here that we get right off the bat Sam Worthington playing Jake Sully and we get his his kind of uh what's it called it's his uh voiceover there we go (laughs) yeah and we we talked a little bit during the Titanic discussion of how sometimes James Cameron can have these kind of bad ADR performances and I get some of that here but I don't think that's necessarily the problem I think maybe Sam Worthington was either just the wrong choice because he's not good at this voiceover narration but I just think it's kind of a bland way to start and I think most of his work in that regard throughout the movie feels pretty bland um, and I, I really don't know this guy for much except for that uh, Terminator Salvation like Isaac mentioned and then Clash of the Titans those are three things that I've seen with him in it and I really don't think any of them are really anything to write home about um, did you guys feel it was a mistake to cast this guy or were you okay enough with him as the the lead here
2: I agree with what you just said about his other works outside of Avatar. Like, he doesn't strike me as the most dynamic actor, Sam Worthington. But, as it pertains to Avatar specifically, everything you say, I basically agree with the description of his performance and and his narration. But I actually think it really works for this particular character in this particular movie. And it's it's becoming. I was thinking about it a lot as I was watching it most recently. The movie that his off kilter narration and his 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 almost one note type of acting mm-hmm. somehow it just fits this character Jake Sully to me. Like if it was another actor who had like a wide range of work we could look at and compare, I would almost think that that actor, this made up actor. Is getting method for this particular role, and acting intentionally like Sam Worthington or channeling him. I just feel like he was made for this role, at least in this movie, and so it's it's weird. You just become part of the character for me.
0: That's interesting. So, so you like this character is kind of what you're saying. You feel like it works.
2: I think it fits it. It fits it because because he does feel like this. Because he's this person who doesn't belong. He's this person who doesn't really fit. Who feels mid cast, um, miscast? I mean, um, uh, figuratively and literally.
0: Mm, I see what you mean.
2: He's just like he's like an every guy, you know. He's not very polished. He's not necessarily handsome. He's not necessarily suave. He's just like this everyday kind of guy. And and like for some reason that just fits who this Jake Sully character is in my mind.
0: Yeah, Isaac. Do you know where I'm gonna go with this character at this point?
1: uh bland um stereotype of oh oh, wait generic marine or generic army guy
0: okay no not quite but i'll i guess i'll get into this unless you want to go oh
1: okay (laughs) no no no. you go first i want to i want to hear this because um you may have just like hoodwinked me here
0: okay so yeah we've we've discussed in the past i sometimes find army characters or uh warrior soldier characters frustrating because i feel like just like sometimes uh, directors will use children as a kind of inherent in, They just assume, okay, I put a kid here. The audience is going to immediately kind of relate to this kid in some way or, or want this kid to be okay in some way. I feel like soldier characters are one of the laziest uses of that. And they just assume, okay, you're immediately going to like them because they're a soldier, they're out there, they're living for a purpose bigger than themselves. So we don't need to bother hiring anyone with any sort of charisma we don't need to bother writing a character. It's already implied that that's something that the audience is going to like. And Jake has that doubly because he's also been injured. And as a kind of an a part of him being a soldier, he was injured in in battle type of thing. So I feel like that's the most that James Cameron really bothered to do. He was like, okay, that's enough. The audience is going to like him. Me, on the other hand, I feel like there's nothing really to this character. In fact, he's kind of stupid. And... He seems like a little bit of an asshole at times, I think. And I feel like I'm just automatically supposed to like him because he's a soldier and that, that just does nothing for me. So he's one of the worst parts of the movie for me. And I think Sam Worthington doesn't do anything to elevate the character. Like maybe if they hired the right person, it would have made the character pop besides the rather limited writing. But I, I think overall he just yeah feels like kind of a nothing. So I find that element difficult right off the the bat for the movie. And I feel like it's the the big weakness that I would say keeps me from being engaged, watching on the small screen. Very interesting. Um,
2: (laughs) Very interesting. Eric, do you got a rebuttal to that? I don't have a rebuttal, but I definitely have a counterpoint. (laughs) Okay, go ahead.
1: (laughs) I, I, I will get to it, don't worry. But yeah, please, Eric, rebuttal.
2: Absolutely. So it's so funny, you know two people can look at the same thing and come 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 away with really yes. different feelings <laughs> it is funny because okay so for me generally speaking when we have like a war type of movie or um soldier characters or former soldier characters sometimes for me or oftentimes it's a bump for me in other movies because um it's it it appears like i'm watching the movie version of of a soldier or a veteran or something. And they don't really seem like a real uh, soldier or veteran in my own life experience. It just seems like some kind of weird movie caricature, generally speaking. But I was actually thinking about this a lot um, last night watching this. And Jake Sully and the other military characters in the movie, they must have had a really, really, really good military consultant working on this movie. Because these people these different soldiers and jake included they actually feel real to me as opposed to most other movies i watch and there's a lot of little dialogue that they say that's in there in the script that's why i say they must have had a really good consultant that sounds so real to me and for those who don't know eh, former soldier veteran like they come across as like believable to me and so for me, it's a major plus watching this movie because I feel like they get the, the military lingo and whatnot. Like They they get it so right for me that it just draws me more into this movie overall.
0: Yeah, and I did actually want to ask if that was the case because I, I felt that in some way as well.
2: Yeah, they use these phrases that are not the same phrases that are fucked out in other movies.
0: Yeah, and it was making me is making me think of how we talked in the aliens discussion how we later apologized for his representation of them there and so i wondered if maybe coming to this movie he wanted to really you know get it right so he doesn't have to <laughs> come back and apologize
2: to. Him. oh man it is, it is so right to me it is so right to me um and one of my favorite jake sully sounds real to me um i think it's it might be when uh um when the colonel is explaining like you're going to be my guy, and, you know, if you pull this off, I'm going to get you your legs, you know, your real legs. At some point in that conversation, um, Sully just responds with, like, outstanding. And it just sounds so real to me. Like, I was, like, transported back. In, like it, That is exactly <laughs> what a soldier would say, and it's exactly how they would say it. Like It's just right on the money.
1: Uh, that sounds really good, sir. That's the line, I believe, uh, uh, Jake
0: responds with. <laughs> yes. How about you, Isaac? Did you, um, how did you feel? Because I, I mean, we spent so much time with this character, so much of the movie is his narration over just animation, really. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Do you feel like that carries you out throughout the two hour and 40 minute runtime okay enough to...
1: Well, I must say, I love the discussion we're already having, where we have two different perspectives of Caleb, who was, you know, has never seen combat in his life. Or at least part part of I haven't seen combat either.
2: Not, not (laughs) that kind of combat.
1: But has not been around other army members or members of the military and eric has well i'm sorry
0: i i do have a an uncle who's a vet and he used that's to fair. yeah talk about it a lot that's <laughs> fair Par, pardon me i apologize <laughs> but only that, that that's only very yeah limited
1: very basic whereas like eric has been around more military people than either of us have absolutely <laughs> um so he has this perspective going into it which is nice well you know what you know what video i'm referring to recently <laughs> Um, about perspectives, but I like the f- I, I like the fact that you're coming in at this with like a film analyst, critical, uh, film cri- theory critic, whatever you want to call it. Okay, so was Sam Worthington hired for his acting or his face? That's the question we have to ask. The other thing is, are huh. we looking at James Cameron uh, directing basically like a Dwayne Hicks movie? Like, if he were to direct, like, a Dwayne... Pardon me if this is out of nowhere, but, like, are we watching, like, what Dwayne Hicks would have been doing, like, from his whole, like, life experience to, like, the point when he goes to LV-426? Yeah,
0: just in case anyone doesn't know, Michael Bean from Aliens.
3: Yes.
1: Um, Now, I don't know if if this has Michael Bean written all over it. Obviously not, uh, because they obviously want a younger person cast, hence why they got Worthington, but I do wonder... Um, If Michael Bean was, you know, uh, the age he was in Aliens uh, in 2009 or 7, whenever they filmed this, um, could he play this role? I think he could, Uh, but that's not what you're asking me about Sam Worthington. So I think it's half him. I think it's also, again, Cameron. I think it, it can't just go all on him, but I think you're right. Given that we're we're seeing him for most of the movie, he is our protagonist, of course. You know, generic white protagonist. For Pitt's sake, he fits the whole quota of like you know every video game protagonist around this period of mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the era, excuse me, the decade, excuse me. Where if that's all y'all heard it before. Every character in a major AAA video game release uh, around this time was a bald or shaven-haired military white guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's very fair and and just uh, to interrupt you slightly um, i want to mention um uh, i feel like this is a trope that feels like it's recycled from the abyss in some way i was gonna go there to go. where he wanted um an automatic in for the audience they even call that character bud and that character also doesn't have all that much to him but is actually a fairly bland character but i feel like um ed harris just brought so much to the role that's it too and had such a lively quality to him on screen that it kind of distracts you from how boring the character is like we mentioned how their kind of relationship especially in the uh theatrical cut felt underdeveloped and even kind of just like a light switch when they get back together some of that stuff so the the kind of lackluster character writing he's bringing back to this movie because he's so focused on the other side of it with the knobby stuff i just feel like if you would have hired someone who could have distracted us i maybe wouldn't be so aware of how empty this character feels. But, but sorry, I, I, I don't know why I interrupt you there. I'm just a little...
1: <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm wondering who could have been a potential... I feel like Eric probably has the answer, but I wonder who uh, could have p- played the potential protagonist instead of uh, Sam Worthington. Uh, would have been his replacement and whatnot. Because again, uh, a person this age... Um, I will I will say, it was when we rewatched it in the theater on October 2nd, that I started hearing it I was like, wait a second I'm starting to hear things and then when I just watched this last night I was like, oh it's all but confirmed this goes back to the Ghost in the Shell 2017 review, once again unfortunately <sighs> he should have just stayed uh, an Aussie because I can I can hear mm. it, I can yep. especially having worked with Aussies before I definitely can hear it um, I don't understand why we couldn't have done it, especially since I can hear some kiwis uh especially some kiwis are freaking like extras here so i'm like well why not like i can hear them but maybe maybe that's just because it's my trained ear. i'm not a general audience we're we are not general audiences as you can tell
0: and again he wants he wants a very generic white bread character that can speak to middle america and i feel like there is some maybe some slight like george bush era references in this here so he was definitely thinking of that kind of audience to some degree <laughs> oh that is yes but his messaging maybe wouldn't make the george bush audience happy but
1: again i i is is he is cameron playing to the fact that his audience is stupid like that's that's my question because if you're wow. from middle america they're not exactly the smartest but the brightest bunch we're talking white wow. middle america okay i don't know about like anybody else but just like you know, they're not exactly that bright
0: um, well, that's, so, that's getting mean that, that's not exactly what i meant it's but... very mean <laughs>
1: Very well. Let's say they're very simple-minded and close-minded people.
2: I don't know why you guys are so prejudiced against white people. I I I think it's perfectly fine. Like, you guys completely lost me on this track. (laughs) Yeah, I'm slightly lost
0: too. I I'm
2: (laughs) (laughs) because I'm like because like I was trying to think, you know, to the 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 question of like, you know, I was like, who else could have played? And I don't know. The first thought that came to my mind was just another straightforward white guy. Uh, I don't know why my mind goes there. Um,
0: yeah, I wasn't really. I'll say I wasn't really thinking of the race race equation in in that regard. But because
2: yeah, because at the top of my mind, I was thinking I would like to see, um, like a age appropriate uh, Paul Rudd, but not funny Paul Rudd, like Paul Rudd like playing like a straight you know dramatic character. That'd be interesting. Oh wow,
0: that's yeah, that's very yeah. I was definitely not thinking of him.
2: I could. I kind of want to see that. But still, my my I don't know if rhetoric is the right word. Um, But in my mind, I'm I'm thinking when I'm casting the movie in my head, yeah, I'm just thinking of this nondescript white guy. Like, that just seems, I don't know why. I don't mean my brain has been programmed from my life experience or something. But that's just where my mind goes. I mean, yeah, it could be like some Asian guy or some Hispanic guy. Of course, I mean, anything could work theoretically. But, but my brain just goes to nondescript like blank canvas type of person and for some reason that means nondescript white guy in my mind
0: yeah and that's again the, the problem I feel like this performance and character comes off as generic we could have one of them being generic but I feel like the other one has to elevate like you could have maybe a generic actor like Sam Worthington with a character with a bit more flavor and it would work or you could have just the same flat character, but someone who could distract you a little bit with some sort of flair. But just having both of them feeling like they're uninteresting—it just kind of, yeah, it just it—it it gives a distance to me with the movie where I feel like I don't fully engage. Especially when it's just him as a human doing his little video logs, which happen a lot. I feel like I could cut most of those scenes and it wouldn't—I wouldn't lose anything from the movie.
1: Yeah, especially with all the narration. I, I think I know what you mean.
2: Oh, and kind of. Piggybacking on what I was saying earlier about how it came across as real to me, like in the, in the whole military veteran type way. Maybe this, I was just thinking, maybe this is another thing that's in the back of my mind because most everyday regular soldier guys that I've known, soldier boy, you know, they're not guys who generally come across well on a mic or in front of a camera. And I guess that's another thing that. Was really making me think about like connecting me connecting the fictional character to real people because um, to me that's if you grab the random soldier or veteran and force them to be on a podcast and they had no particular um, you know previous interest uh, on vlogging or anything of that nature like if you just said mm-hmm. hey you have to do this YouTube channel and you're gonna have to vlog and this person had no prior interest this is exactly how they would come off this is like a thought I was having in my head. That's exactly how they would come off the way his little personal like log entries are. that's exactly how a stereotypical, nondescript, you know grunt guy. So that's why for me it works because that's real. That, I mean that's how it would, that's exactly how it would be in my mind. So it, it just makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, and do you do you find those scenes of him doing the video logs or narration throughout? Do you, are you engaged with that stuff? Do you feel like that stuff works for the movie or is it just kind of you're used to it?
2: I don't know if it works for the movie, but it works for me. It works for me completely. I don't know why. I don't know why. Now I don't like the part where it's the trope in the movie where they use his words against him at a certain point. I hate that. I hate that trope in general. <laughs> but but take that out of the equation. For some reason it really works for me. And like when when there's elements like that in a movie like in this movie like i find myself looking at the date every time and like oh he's 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 recording at evening and and like i noticed like i was tracking the dates this time viewing because you know he tells him i'll give you three months you know and i was tracking Mm -hmm. like the time through his logs like to see like how much time was transpiring in the movie so i i don't know but but see you know when you talk about the original blade runner like there's always people who are in these camps of like, oh, the biggest camp is the narration, the narrated version of the movie is is the is the inferior, crappy version. Yeah, I think that's the the, the wider consensus. It's never bothered me one way or the other, like in Blade Runner. So maybe I am not the best person to ask. You know, I, I I'm okay with both versions as far as the narration is concerned uh, in that movie. But in this movie, no, the narration scenes they completely work for me. Are the little personal vlog scenes i like them keep them in i don't
0: know yeah again i feel like they could work but with just the performance that we get it just really doesn't do anything for me um and I, it also makes it feel like this movie and i'm sure this was by design it makes the movie come off like an origin film less so than like its own real story it feels like this is a setup film
1: i agree
2: yeah, okay. I felt
1: that at the end, and with and with your uh, just w- with the video logs, I was also thinking that more as setup of like, okay, where yeah. are we going with this? And mm-hmm. also thinking again, like in a video game, like this is him monologuing, and uh, because we have uh, a protagonist monologuing, that means like they're going through like they're experiencing stuff, they're changing as a person. Maybe again, as Eric would say, it's to give the audience exactly you know t- tell them exactly what's going on. Of like, see, Jake is like he's a jarhead at the beginning, and then he like you know is completely converted to, into Native them or indigenous. Well, I get a yeah. sense
2: in this movie, for better or for worse, that yes, this is by design. This is totally by design. That not just on that element, but overall, this movie is intentionally taking you by the hand and guiding you. I I very much yes. get that vibe overall. That it's very intentional that we're going to walk you into this. But that being said, I do think there's some nuance because there's like the the, the obvious literal sense of taking that into watching the movie and then there's like the uh, the figurative, metaphorical sense of it as well. Okay, does that mean? I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, go on. I was expecting silence. I was done. I was expecting silence after that. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, we I thought you were gonna a, keep going because okay, okay. Because I feel like there's the obvious literal holding your hand through the story, through the plot of the movie, and introducing you to this you know completely made up world and universe. There's that, mm-hmm. but I think that whole thing is a bigger metaphor of let me invite you audience into the world I'm trying to make as a filmmaker not the Pandora world but this idea of this is a different type of storytelling audience
1: surrogate Jake Sully is the audience surrogate you're
2: saying oh there's no question about that um in in all the senses uh that I'm speaking of but what I'm saying is this this is like like have it either of you played like like the Astrobot like demo for like the PlayStation 5 no <laughs> it's gonna ruin my trophy list <laughs> The AstroBot demo is like this thing. You know, it's the demo for the PS5, and previously, before that, it was the free demo included in the PlayStation VR thing, uh, which I guess is apt for this. But in in both cases, whether it was the VR set or the PlayStation Five, AstroBot is like a highly polished, basically demo. You know, that's really. It's not really. It is a game, but really, it's just a demo to show what either the VR can really do or what the PlayStation 5 can really do. Um, And that's what this whole movie feels like for just this whole idea of what 3D cinema can be. And it's this demo designed to like ease you into it, you know, know, like, yeah, like that. So it's as much an origin story for opening up this epic tale as much as it is as I want to open you up to my perspective and this goes even deeper into the movie because i think it's a metaphor in the movie and a metaphor for the the figurative metaphorical sense that i'm talking about both is this whole concept of i see you as expressed in the movie i think is a wider take on everything i've been saying
1: okay to further go with like what eric was saying with tech demos see like infamous second son kill zone shadowfall rise son of rome uh order 1886 those are all just like tech demos when the PS4 and the PS uh, and the Xbox One came out uh, to more suit what you were saying. Um, also, I just realized, Caleb, you know who Jake Sully is? Jake Sully is literally like the guy from uh, the, the the new like agent for BPRD, uh, and in the beginning of Hel- uh, Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy, he's literally that character in a way. Oh, they're, then, like, they're very you know, similar. But, but Hellboy is the main character instead. And he's just the audience surrogate.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can definitely see that.
1: <laughs> uh, where was I going with this? And also, he's the special. And white savior
0: syndrome, I'm
1: pretty
2: yes, sure.
0: Yes, we'll, we'll save okay. that. We'll definitely get to <laughs> oh, that. Oh
3: boy.
2: Oh boy. You get me excited. But I
0: wanted to... Uh, just because we were talking about kind of an audience in... I was curious if you got this uh, impression as well, you guys if you remember all the way back to 2009. (laughs) Um, But I remember thinking this, even at the time, that in some ways this movie felt like a comment on the Bush era with having someone who would have served in the military under that time. Jake Sully's kind of... There was a lot of folks, there was a big influx of people joining the military, served the cause, and then it's a subversion because it was kind of like... Then you find out that the cause really... Isn't for good purposes. It's based around, you know, bringing in this, this kind of resource and stealing this resource from people. And so in that way, I felt like it was meant to be. You have this in for all these people who are part of the kind of military world, and then you're supposed to be by the end swayed and realize that oh, all these people, they're just there for their own greed and need to learn to serve a better purpose. Did you guys? I, re- I remember thinking that that was kind of my reading at the time. Do you guys uh, feel like that has any knowing kind of James Cameron's political leanings? Do do you feel like that reading holds water? Or I I even remember thinking all the people were like, oh, this is just a ripoff of uh, uh, Dance with Wolves or Fern Gully. I was like, I feel like this had more of a a now feeling. It felt like it was commenting on our times more than just being some bland ripoff of those other things, even if it shared some elements.
1: Well, well, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be hard to. Uh, this will be my full thing because I know Eric has a lot to say on this, but like, <laughs> I, 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 don't know how he's gonna sway people. Because okay, okay, I gotta be careful how I say this, but if this is like, you know, here's the here's the military, here's the United States military, and we're going to enemy base, okay? Like the the Navi are the enemy, as perceived by humans, right? As, as perceived by Americans, okay? Just you know in this in this metaphor that I'm uh, this allegory I'm saying if we're going with that how do you explain all the terrorist attacks that the Na'vi have been doing to uh, America because that's going to be kind of hard it's like what he didn't show in this movie was the Na'vi going out and attacking the humans like the whole time the Na'vi really don't do that at least when we see that whereas like you know I'm not saying I want
2: a 9-11 moment I, pardon me if I went there but like well, well, they don't show it, but it's discussed. But now that I think about it, it might be discussed more in the extended version. I'm not sure if it's in the standard version. See, there you go. It's,
1: it's, of course, the director's cut. Of course. Makes sense.
0: And I have a feeling I know what James Cameron would say about that as well. And that is much more Muddy Waters, so maybe we'll uh, <laughs> uh maybe course. I'll steer clear of those. But I I, I mean, well, yeah, I'll, I'll stick clear of
1: that. <laughs> okay, Eric, response?
2: I just think that Whenever this movie would have come out, like if it was released in 95 or 2005 or 85, if, if that were possible, it's just going to be the natural thing that you're going to associate it to the, the nearest significant historical event that applies to that. And there's always something in every decade. Um, and so, I mean, it fits because of the timing with the Bush 9-11 Gulf War stuff. For sure it fits in the time that it was released but because Cameron already has the his, his history of doing these similar themes already going back to the 80s that I think it's more of yeah this guy is where he is politically like in his own head and so his material is still going to come out this way whatever and so it just depends on when it's released that it's going to like fit onto the closest thing um because certainly, uh, if it came out in '95, we would say, "Oh, it was the exact same movie." Oh, this is probably his reaction to like the end of the Cold War, if he, or if it came out in '85, oh, this is probably his reaction to like um, the Vietnam War, um, or yeah. if the movie released like in, in 1800, it was his response to the American Revolution. I mean, yes,
0: <laughs> that's yeah. You, you you somewhat stole my point from me, but they're in a, the reverse way. As I was going to say, his uh, portrayal of the Marines in Aliens was his comment on the Vietnam War.
2: Yeah, certainly.
0: They took these people who maybe shouldn't be in that position and portrayed them as just cocky, like violent assholes. But in this, it was meant to be more like, oh yeah, you're just the the regular people kind of tricked into serving this this ugly regime. It was more his social commentary with this one. So maybe that's why I was uh, relating it more in that way. But... (laughs) But again, maybe maybe that's getting into Muddy Waters in its own right. I, but the, I was just saying what my reading was back in 2009 when I was very much... Yeah,
2: and, and because of recent events or things that I've seen recently, one thing I couldn't help but compare and contrast it to as I was watching it yesterday, because we're fresh off the heels of Andor, I was doing all this weird Andor comparison in my mind um, and, and thinking about that vis-a-vis this movie, just because it's fresh in my mind. And, you know just the topic of revolution or standing up to the man aka the empire or whatever um Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: yeah i guess that can be a bridge to uh isaac's topic of the white savior element unless you guys want to save it for once we get more into the the culture
2: go ahead i'm I'm gonna go to the restroom for for 20 minutes approximately jeez (laughs) i'm just kidding. good luck in there soldier (laughs) i'll bring the mic with me
0: what do you think isaac should we hold off well okay
1: i don't know about that i am not not saying no to that yet i just okay here's the thing is this is another thing that I, i've wanted to bring up as well is that cameron had at least something he had he had so maybe and maybe the, the director's cut has this i didn't see the director's cut so i have or i yeah, don't remember at all except for that you know beginning scenes when he's on earth i think i think he even walks i think we even see him walk do we mm. see the, like, do we see him walk and then the incident that causes his Negative, injury? Nancy, no. okay, okay we don't get okay. that. I'm thinking of something completely else. My mind projected something else, thank you very much. But, but... That
2: was Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump.
1: <laughs> fair enough. Did not know Forrest Gump was in this movie, but he was in everything. Um, so, he... Cameron had a way of, like, making him maybe interesting, at least, and, like, less vanilla and... It was bland and generic and potentially just with his brother. Um, he could have, oh. we could have, we could have had, I know it's, I know you hate his brother and whatnot. No, no. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I but like <laughs> in the very beginning of like, after he gets on, or like literally the first 10 minutes or seven minutes of the film, he's talking about his brother. Or, so Ronnie weavers character Race Augustine. She brings up his brother and I'm like, okay, you have something there. Yeah, with the video conversations like or him vlogging and like maybe being inside uh you know tommy's uh avatar a uh, navi avatar excuse me like you you could have almost like you know flashbacks or something talking about you know your brother potentially i don't know if that would like you know mean anything like make him anything more than what he is to you caleb but like i feel like that was something that was just thrown away as soon as he gets inside the avatar. and He just starts running, and it's just like I have legs. Like some-
0: mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they completely the things that they could have utilized to flesh out the character, the brother, and his intrigue Yeah, they, they almost completely abandon. Has no impact at all. <sighs> the okay, so the handicap that at least and I'm, you know fair
1: enough, just talk about it. Uh, the, the handicap itself. Good, what do you think? Good fake out of like, did you think in the beginning back in 09 that he was in a wheelchair? I don't know how much they showed in the trailers if he uh. was in a wheelchair or not. Um, but like, I think it was a good, like, reveal. <laughs> um, I mean, and I mean, like, when those two company men are like talking to him over, uh, right, right when they're at the um, the morgue, uh, when they're about to cremate, the, cremate, the crematory, there we go, uh, when they're about to cre- cremate. Tommy's body. He's sitting down. I wonder if anybody thought like, "Oh, he's in a wheelchair." Um, I'm just saying. Did any, do you think anybody? Do you think everybody? Somebody had to go like, "Oh, he's in a wheelchair." I didn't know that. Great no great I twist. Think
2: going by the the theatrical cut, I think I think they play it close to the best well enough that I don't see it at all.
0: Yeah, I, I feel the same way.
2: And it's even perfect um, when they when he wakes up in the theatrical cut how they're in zero G. So it's still like, you have no idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's another way they open it up nicely. But um, yeah, I, I'd say that's another thing that would probably also be like um, a contrary into Caleb's argument of, of Jake being generic is like, but, but Caleb, don't you see he's a handicap? Therefore he has personality. It's like, you do realize that's a stereotype. If you just make him like the handicap, which he is not. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they use it like it should be an automatic sympathy card. They don't use it as an actual... If if they would have used that in his character, they, they use it like once during a montage where he's like, now I feel like the waking world is the dream world. And we see him getting out of... Getting into his wheelchair, looking depressed. It's like the only time they really even mention it, uh, really.
1: There's, <laughs> a lot, there's a lot more than that in that scene. I remember that scene like... Because, you know, he's in the Navi world and you know, there's all this color, there's all this life and then he goes into the human, comes back into the human world and everything is just dry. He's eating, you know, dinner that's not even, like, you know, delicious anymore. Uh, it's You know, it's a Matrix moment almost of, like, coming in and out of the Matrix. Uh, so he's like, you know, this, everything just feels dull and bland and I want to go back into there.
2: I'm on a whole different angle than you guys, I think. At least based on what I'm hearing. As it, as it deals with the the handicap um because i i don't even i'm not even looking at it from like through the angle you guys are coming at it i just see it as just further emphasizing the metaphor of this whole avatar thing um the avatar concept in general um because you know the whole thing with the avatar not just in this movie but like the way it's depicted um like in other areas or like um When you have a video game like an MMORPG and you have an avatar, um, or the way people um, present themselves on social media, vis a vis like catfishing, or in that sense, where an avatar in a video game or your social media presence um, is like an idealized version of yourself. And then when you see like the real person behind the social media or behind the avatar, um, as is shown like in the movie um, Ready Player One or I don't know if anyone saw the Bruce Willis movie called Surrogates, which actually has a lot That's of... That's the
1: one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to use that one for like, I wanted to say that movie for years and like as something, but I meant to <laughs> say that to you, Caleb. Did you ever see that film?
0: No, I, I was not watching Bruce Willis. Right? Okay.
1: Thank you, Eric, for confirming that movie exists.
2: That movie is, is like no one's seen it, but it's like it almost reminds me of like if Total Recall came out like in 2005, except <laughs> no one knew what Total Recall was. But anyway, um, and so, so the the whole concept of avatar is it presents something like a version of you without any flaws, like a better realized version of you. So the fact that he's handicapped or disabled in, in real life in the movie, I, it just to me it just hammers that concept home even more because because in his avatar form, of course he's he's like better in every possible way, and the, giving him a handicap just makes that ever more clear was it in uh uh dream warriors nightmare on elm street part three where like there was a kid in a wheelchair but then in the dream world um you know he could walk and everything and so to me it's mainly just for that reason um and maybe i'm just taking a surface level and moving on i don't know um no yeah you're you're saying
0: what we were saying too my only complaint is that they could have used that to flesh out the character more, but they don't. They use it just as you're saying. Well,
2: right, right, right. Be- but, but then like, like, this thing... Because I, I know what you're saying, like, okay, he's he's a veteran, he's handicapped, so, you know, it, like, automatically draws you in, like, sympathy points. Mm-hmm. I mean, true, but I don't know. That's... that's for me, personally, that's neither here nor there. Whether that's for, like, you know, bonus points right off the bat. Like, I don't know. It's neither here nor there. It just... It just like I said, it just it just helps the idea of of distinguishing his regular self, his sullied self, to his yeah. his like his more true avatar self. And while he does have some weak acting, uh, as you say, um, his character would you at least say he's more dynamic when he's playing the avatar role when he's his avatar self.
0: I would say barely, and I'll say uh, I wasn't saying that they used those bits for bonus points. I think that they knew that they didn't have much of a character here, and so that's what they did It's an automatic in. So you would just accept the character and not question too much about how little there actually I mean, is there. Maybe.
1: Dead brother, real handicapped. And
0: I feel like that's... I feel like they wanted to have an empty cup so that it could be filled by the nabby. Well, yeah, yeah. But that because, doesn't... Because to, if he's in...
2: <laughs> if, go ahead. I'm sorry, but it's... It doesn't seem much different, unless you have the same equal argument to to, to launch towards the original Matrix and the original Star Wars, because I think it's the same. Like with Neo, I mean, how much is there to the Neo backstory character um, before he goes into the world, and then Luke, you know, pre- leaving mm-hmm. Tatooine, there's nothing there. there like, it, there's nothing really there.
0: You know what both of those? Uh, you know what both those did? Cast dynamic actors. That can just ca- catch you on their own. I mean, Keanu Reeves in that that Matrix, his journey just as an actor, and that I think is fantastic. Uh, whereas someone, I don't know, I, I that, just, that's why I was saying I'm
2: not so sore. Well, that's why I was asking also about like, how you felt about his Avatar version, because I mean, he doesn't. I'm not in love with his Avatar, but it's, it's perfectly perfectly serviceable for me. Um, his, his performance as his Avatar self,
0: it's okay. Like I still think he's—it's annoying when we switch back to the human self and he's like, "Oh, I hope all this tree hugger crap isn't on the final." Stuff like that just—it—it it makes him sound like he's ignorant and a little, like a little dim-minded. And then when he finally switches and he's like, "Oh, now I see the beauty of their culture and I want to be the leader of their culture," it's kind of like, okay, like I could kind of see this journey for him, but I don't know—it just doesn't necessarily feel fulfilling to me. It doesn't feel like a light switch change, but it kind of feels like. There wasn't enough here for me to, to see a real character change, because there wasn't much of a character, and then suddenly someone's so much different. It it doesn't feel like a, a fully realized transition as much as just beats, you know, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> and that's why I complain. If, if we would have had an actor who could have brought character just on his own, like you, hire as a director, hire someone who can distract you from the weakness of the writing, I think that would have really brought something like a Keanu Reeves or like a Mark Hamill. These people who just have so much uh presence on screen i feel like sam worthington i mean it, it doesn't help too that so much of it is this cgi version of him like maybe he couldn't add charisma as a as a cgi character it's it's there, there was a lot going against this character i think it's just overall and it it feels like the weakest part to me i think but
1: <laughs> yeah uh no I think I think both you guys have it on on right, uh, yeah makes <laughs> big.
0: yeah the more I think about it the more I, it makes it a, a challenging proposition how do you make this character really all that that great because he's sort of going through like a hero's journey right
2: or not oh there's no question about that
0: he is yeah but that it again makes it weird because of the white savior aspect that does at an odd wrinkle that's hard to. Well, go
2: ahead, crack that nut. Go ahead, crack that nut, somebody.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, Eric, you made
1: you you made an absolutely great point a year ago in a speakeasy, which I listened to on Friday, oh, about how uh, there was a person you had listened to, a reviewer on YouTube, uh, who had complained that. Uh, Paul Atreides in Dune the most recent Dune uh, adaptation was in fact a white savior but you counter argued uh, and I think perfectly argued that uh, he does, a white savior is somebody who saves everybody and you made a p- claim in fact like the best claim of all that, <laughs> that meant Paul Atreides in that film does not save anybody he kills one man though.
0: yeah I just put that out last Maybe. week so <laughs> a year late
2: oh wow <laughs> yeah. I, it's, I wouldn't have remembered I said any of that if not for you telling me that I said it and then I yeah, I remember it now.
1: Exactly. Oh wow. So uh Eric, does does Jake Sully in this in, in this movie does he save everyone?
0: Oh well, yeah, I guess I'll leave it to Eric. Sorry.
2: Oh jeez. <laughs> so That's a huge question. You can answer too, Caleb. That's a huge question. Well, he definitely plays a part in saving the whole planet at this stage in the story and i say this stage because you know who knows what these future chapters are going to be but i assume they're going to expand things greatly um so he does however i have another issue with that that has to do with the story and not necessarily jake sully uh, in particular so that's something later mm. that actually bothers me about that aspect but I don't know that he saves it. I mean, he does. I mean, within the mechanics of the story, uh, he essentially does. I mean, without his participation, yeah, one could only assume that um, the corporate types would have had their way uh, in that sense. So, I mean, I, I mean, I guess that's all I can say about that part.
0: Well. Should I go, Isaac, because I've got a lot here. Caleb,
1: does Jake Sully save everyone, confirming he is a white savior?
0: Not only does he manage to um, cast away the people who brought him to this planet, all these uh, imperialists, he makes them leave the planet. Oppressors. But he also reunites all the tribes. He um, takes over this somewhat messianic figure of the the rider of that, uh, what's that thing called? <laughs> Tarak Mach 2, I think they say. Something sure. like that.
2: <laughs> you got it.
0: He takes over this legendary role, and he's essentially chosen right from the beginning as some sort of messiah by the soul tree. Because Natiri, the, the first time she sees him, she's going to just kill him just on the basis of him being a, a dreamwalker. But this tree chooses him as a messiah hero. So, I mean, again, how is he not a... And he's kind of... He's a little little dumb. Like, he... he, The reason he's lost when she discovers him is because he's just playing around, not really being aware of his surroundings. It takes him forever to really learn the Navi culture, but once he does, he becomes the leader of it, reunites all these tribes, and does something that hasn't been done in generations, riding this, like, predator of the sky. So, I mean, I, I don't know if there's much of an argument that he isn't a white savior. I think the annoying part is that it's done kind of lazily. Like, it doesn't really seem like like, why is this character the one who can do all these things? He doesn't really seem all that great. Maybe if they would have done some some stuff to build him up as a potentially great character instead of it just falling into his lap, like The Matrix or something like that, where he's kind of this chosen one. And I always find that a a very lazy just writing choice overall. We don't need chosen ones. This isn't the the prequels. Or maybe it is. I don't know.
2: (laughs) No, well, see, I have more issues with just with the whole obsession, and I'm not saying you guys, I just mean in general, the obsession of, of the white savior trope. Because then I think it it spreads too far and it becomes its own monstrosity. Just the trope, just discussing the trope itself. Because um, then I think it's hard to take everything on its own individual basis that falls under this massive umbrella of the trope. Um, but in this particular movie, I don't know, I yes, it, it follows the textbook definition of the white savior trope. There's no disputing that. I just don't like the definition and the whole trope itself. Um, but that being said, um, I, I don't think of him as the singular hero who, who did do all the accomplishments that Caleb said in the movie. I, I kind of see him more as like a chosen catalyst for change. Um, but see, that kind of gets into my other issue, which is more... Um I forget, what what is the um the deity of the planet called? Um Oh Nawe, I think. Is that what it is? Nawei? Yahweh. I don't think it's Yahweh. Yeah, that's <laughs> wait, no, sorry. I think just, it was with an N. Wait, sorry.
0: <laughs> I think it was Nawe, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'll, I'll try to fast forward to find it.
1: Ewa, Ewa, Ewa. Ewa.
2: That's not right. That's not right.
0: Wow, I'm getting confused. Here. So
2: that I have more of the issue of Ewa being almost this well it is like this deus ex machina character in the plot that to me she doesn't take sides that to me Force. that no she's not the force yes she is because well she's more than the force she's more than the force to me um she's force extra force plus plus um and to me it's the deus ex machina element but i don't know how you get around that that to me is is the the more lazy part than the jake sully character himself that to me is more like the emperor behind the darth vader uh as talking about tropes or this and that because it's the true mysterious mistress behind us all more than than jake sully himself saving the world
0: Yeah, and i think that's why it makes it because the white savior trope is what it is i don't think that just because it's a trope means that it's automatically a bad thing what makes it annoying is he's the a white savior who has no almost no agency of his own he again he seems kind of dumb and it's like he just falls into this role because he's this chosen hero uh chosen by either this this secret deity or the writer uh forcing him into it but <laughs> it just feels a little con- well, contrived i'm
2: go- gonna go ahead and say the secret deity um i mean that's that's just the stand-in for James Cameron himself, the ultimate creator of the movie.
0: Exactly. That's So I'll, <laughs> I'll
2: go ahead and put that there. But as far as him being like this kind of doof of a character, I, I think it actually kind of... It's okay uh, um, in regards to what we're talking about right now, because well, I think the point was, not the Rian Johnson point of anybody can be a Jedi, not that, because that's another travesty. Um, it's <laughs> It's... It's, it's not that he was especially gifted, except for there's one important element that... Now I want to call it Yahweh. Um, <laughs> what was it? Aowa? Aoa. yeah. Aowa <laughs> slash Cameron. Aowa. Aowa slash Cameron. The deity somehow knew that he had this one unique special quality. Again, don't ask me how it knew. But the quality, the most important thing that he had um was that he was a person in a in a place at the beginning of the movie he was a person in a in a place where he could actually see what nobody else could see at least on the human side well actually on both sides um because ultimately that's what makes his character special in the confines of the story is that the one thing that he had that nobody else had on either side was that he could see and I know C is like a metaphor for a hundred things in this movie, but in particular, he's the only one figuratively and literally who could see all sides or both sides of the equation. And he was in a place as a, as a seemingly bland character, but by design he was in a place to be more open to both sides of things because he is the most neutral person at the start of the story even though he has the experience of being like an ex-military type, he's not he doesn't know. It. He's a blank slate on the Navi, he's a blank slate on Pandora, he's a blank slate on this whole organization. Everyone else is entrenched in their beliefs in this in this movie, except for him. So he's the perfect vessel to bring about the change that it's that needs to happen in this in the story, in the movie.
0: Yeah, no, that is that is a very fair point. Yeah. For the purpose of it, the character being there, uh, but I, I do think again that the fact that this this deity like chose him as the the decided vessel for that change is is kind of what like if we didn't have that if it was just Jake himself doing it I feel like I'd like it a lot better but I hate those like cheap chosen one plots.
2: It's, I don't know how see that's I don't know how it works like that because I don't like I don't know how you get around it because that deity is is important for so many things. It's almost like when you try to do a really complicated, but, but one that works like a time travel story. Um, and then ultimately what it all boils down to is when you get into like a bootstrap paradox and like, how do you overcome that? And at the end of the day, there's no really good solution to that. You know what I mean? And it always yeah. boils down to Deus Ex Machina at the end of the day.
0: Well, well I'll say in terms of him being a chosen one, I actually don't feel like it comes up all that much in the movie. It's only really with his introductory scenes with uh, Natiri. Like, after that, there's a couple, like, vague moments where he's, like, speaking to the the spirit thing, but I don't feel like they make it so explicit when the seeds first, like, tell her, Oh, don't kill him, let me land on your your, uh, bow and arrow here. And then when they all, like, surround him. Like, are are there other moments that I'm forgetting, or were those two, the two big call outs?
2: I mean, those are the big ones, but what do you mean there's no others?
0: Or are, are the smothers that I'm forgetting, or,
2: or I guess, what's, or what's the relevance of that? If there's more or not,
0: because I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder if, why was there such a need to call that out if it doesn't really, like, interact with the story all that much.
2: Well, there is a need because, again, like, there has to be some explanation as to why and how he was able to get in with the Navi like nobody ever could, because. Obviously, someone like Sigourney Weaver's character, her heart has been in it since the very beginning, um, but she could only go so far as far as getting close to them. Mm. So there had to be some hand of God it, thing to get him in, and I, that's what it is. I mean, I, I mean, and I don't know how else you get around that unless you make this movie into this singular movie into like a trilogy. Uh, I don't know how else to do it. Again, like the bootstrap paradox, how do you fix it other than like the hand of God?
0: You're it a little bit differently. Like he, uh, like maybe the restrictions aren't quite as severe or used to be more open, but then they changed it or something. Just, I just feel like introducing that chosen one element just sets it up for a bad, bad way to go. And I feel like there's so many other ways you could write around that to not put yourself in a position where you have to do that.
2: I don't know. It works for me. But again, at the end of the day, I just don't know how the deity knew. Um, but, but who knows? I mean, there's, 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 ways you could explain that later with sequels. I mean, not by having to focus on it, but I don't know. I don't know. Though no, at the end of the day. How
0: about you, Isaac? Do you have anything to say?
1: <laughs> yeah. Not only does like, you know, so yeah, the chosen one doesn't come up like really, uh, as, as you were saying, I know what you're saying, Caleb, but then not only that, then he's also another like chosen one. In that he's the writer of the last shadow, yeah. Uh, within the within the Navi culture itself, um, you know, as as uh, not, as Antiris told him initially, where he's like, he has strong heart, no fear, and so he's like, all right, well, you know, I've been banished basically from the tribe, so I'm gonna basically, you know, become this the writer of the last shadow, and uh, then get back into their good graces just so they can like listen to me.
2: Well, yeah, we'll see. Okay. Not to sound like a devil's advocate, but here it goes. Again, like the whole movie is about seeing. Um, it's really what the, everything's about in the whole movie. And, and when he first starts joining up with the Na'vi, the obvious thing is that humans don't see what Na'vi see like in their home world and like in their nature around them, and et etc. Et that, that's the obvious distinction. But again, what he brings to the table, just like he brought... An X Factor when he was just with the human side. Once he gets let into the Navi world, he he brings his X Factor into their world. In there, even though there's so many things that they see that he doesn't, he has his own little batch of things that he sees that they don't, um, and uh, that's part of what makes him special. Um, and the way he's able to capture the creature, perhaps the creature that almost no one's ever been able to capture or not capture, but um, ride. Yeah, I was gonna say like dominate or um, subdue, bond with whatever, Um, conquer. I don't know what it's called. Like when you, like 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 when like like when you break like a a steed or something, you have to like conquer it in some sense. Um, Perhaps I mean, as explained in in the movie, the reason he was able to do it where most Navi couldn't was because again he had this like something about his human perspective. And his previous experience is really what did it. Um, it wasn't just sure. his his courage or you know his you know wherewithal to jump into things. It was his little simpleton thinking, um, which was you know he just he, he what he did. See this whole movie when they say seeing, you know they don't literally mean seeing. It's like that episode of Strange New Worlds, the one that's about em- uh, empathy. Remember that one, Caleb? Mm -hmm. It's really like that. It's really all like about the same concept that that episode was about of Star Trek, which is you need to actually see what others see. So the reason, the way he bested the beast was he saw things through the beast's eyes, and when he did that conceptually, then he saw the beast's blind spot, and that's where he came up with the strategy on how he could, you know, conquer it where most others couldn't. So to me, that's really what his character brings to the whole story. Not just him capturing the beast, but the whole, his whole role in this everything. Is that he was able to see, he was the kind of person who could traverse multiple areas. Um, I mean, this reminds me of, see, now it's getting like self-biographical, autobiographical. Because I've always felt like this kind of person who can like dip into different worlds. Like, I could hang out with the nerds at school. No offense to nerds. Um, uh, but I could hang out with the nerds at school, and then I could, like, go out to a sports ball game later and, and cheer on that. And I've always felt like this person who can mix it up with, like, military types, non-military types, gangster types, non-gangster types, whatever, whatever thing it is. And I think that's really what this Sully character is all about, and that's his special power. Cause again, when he was just with the humans, he could see things from the, the scientist's point of view. He could see things from the grunts' point of view. Cause he's just this—he's just this um, pliable character. Um, he's like this clay that hasn't hardened where everyone else has. And then he brings that same feature when he gets involved with the Navi. So he's just this person who just has like an open mind, aka like this open vision that, and so he's able to see what no one else can see.
1: I mean, that also is the fact that he's an outsider to the culture. Yes. He comes from a different culture, so yeah. he just automatically is like, I don't have a fear over uh, the the last shadow. So, like, uh, but I think you're right that he finds you know the weak spot of it, which is nice. But because he didn't grow up in that culture, I I'm not saying they're closed minded, but in a way, like they probably wouldn't have thought it that way. Although that also questions whether or not they're closed minded or not. Well,
2: so, everyone right. gets set in their ways at the end of the day. Um, and I didn't even want to go there with this movie, but this movie lends itself to this thing I've been thinking about a lot in recent years um, where you can start looking at every movie through a conservative versus liberal lens. And I don't mean in a political way. I mean like in a definitional kind of way.
0: Yeah, philosophies.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. And this movie perfectly serves that up and it serves it up in very obvious on the nose senses but then there's like these other like nuanced versions of it within the movie and this movie plays perfectly into all that so because without getting all into the philosophy you could look at the navi as the conservative group and you could look at the humans as like the progressive group um and then you could like flip it around in your head and like reverse those roles depending on how you want to define the terms um you could play with that all day but, but the point is, all like I said a moment ago, all the most all the characters in the story are kind of like set in their ways, um, without a character like Jake Sully to like change their minds on things. Because if you think about it, how everybody interpreted Jake Sully on their first meeting is not how they interpret him on their last meeting. Whether you take the Colonel or Norm Spellman. Or Natiri. Pick any character you want. Trudy. No every character saw him wrong in the beginning to how they saw him at, at their last.
1: Hey Caleb, did uh did, did Jake Sully change by the end of it? Is he a different person by the end of the movie?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I
1: actually and also to summarize everything that Eric just said, hey Caleb, guess what? Uh, Jake is the literal avatar. <laughs> he's the yep. bridge between worlds. And then he's not because then he rejects his humanity by the end of the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got that bald head and that hair. I mean, maybe he could just add a little arrow at the end and there you go. Yeah,
1: there you go. Exactly. And then also, you know... is ad- on a glider. Let's well, manual the sun. <laughs> An actual animal.
2: <laughs> Addendum to the Dune mention. I almost felt that this movie drew almost too much more from Dune... Specifically, even more than it did from. from I was from thinking that too. Even more than of the Wolves* and *Ferngully*, even though the, both those examples are on the nose, I almost feel like this is much more like the Dune story retold. But I mean, it's, oh really?
3: Oh,
1: absolutely. Well, how so? I think I, I, think I sort of see what he's talking about as well. I can. I think that's it has a...
2: everything from the original Dune story except for, at least it's not as prominent. Except for the idea of houses and things like that.
1: Well, I, uh, other than tribes oh that's a little different of course
2: I mean come on between Spice and Unantamian and Pandora and Dune and like the native peoples well the Fremen work This is just call them natives yeah. um, and like come on the Fremen and the Navi it, it's all there except for like it's, it's just lacking like the, the feudal system of like the house system um but other than that it's it's all there
0: yeah or the uh, the in inbaked religious significance of Paul right from the start
2: you wouldn't know about you wouldn't know about that just from the first book I don't think
0: oh yeah no that's the whole book's about do they, by the end he is their their Messiah
2: no but I mean no he is but do they explain all that do they explain all that in the first book about how it was all planted
0: yes yes they very much do yeah I don't remember I mean the first time they even see him they're uh, saying Lizan al gaib because they they know he was coming and oh the- no no
2: no! i know i know they believe that and all but did they actually reveal like yeah the seeds of that yeah
0: yeah they reveal it before they even go to the planet they already know that it's the seeds have been set by the messianaria productiva huh yeah they, they discuss all that right at the beginning of the book <laughs> man yeah i read it every year so that's uh,
1: <laughs> yeah he's, he's about to read it again shortly <laughs> as he told me. Um, You know, Caleb, this actually also, like, now that I think about it, and because I literally have the DVD or the Blu-ray in front of me, this does, and and just because I'm thinking, okay, there's kind of some of the... It's not 100%. There's... I'm projecting here and putting some things onto it, but there is some Princess Mononoke in here. Not to the level of how good
2: that is, but... Well, yeah, there definitely is. Because, I mean, yeah, because that... Just off the top of my head, and that makes me think of Fern Gully too,
1: Because there's the sequel? Really? <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> I think there is a sequel, um, yes, but, but... There is a sequel, but... Um, no, I mean, okay, some people argue that Ashitaka in Mononoke is a bland protagonist. Like, he's only there to showcase the rest of the stuff. The only plight he has is the fact that he has a cursed arm from the beginning, from the boar god Like, that's the only thing he has... I think Ashitaka has more of character than that, but I I see what people
0: say, though. Yeah, and they make it clear right from the start that they're like, he's intentionally a mirror. Like, a person in between who's meant to just kind of make the two sides, or maybe not make the two sides see each other, but experience both sides without taking a point of view. Exactly.
1: Uh, An unbiased perspective, basically. Eyes unclouded by hate. Exactly. There you go. Uh, Whereas, this is not the case, obviously, in um in Avatar here, where Jake is clearly, like, he's conflicted, and that's another thing that could have gone into as well, where he does start to feel conflicted about, like, you know, these these two different cultures, and he wondered, and, the, and like, the whole diplomacy idea, doesn't, like, Cameron doesn't have the iceberg th- effect, not the iceberg effect, but the, the effect in, like, in, in Titanic, I didn't say this at all, I was kind of just dumb on that because I was kind of distracted by the movie uh, when I was watching it, but in a way, and kind of, I think I'm just echoing what Lindsay Ellis said, is that you want to believe that they'll miss the iceberg. Like, you hope to the lord that they will miss the iceberg and that, like, you know, they'll, they'll just get get to America without, you know, hitting anything. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I don't know if you guys got that from the film, where, like, you, you you feel that, where it's just like, you're expecting the iceberg, or as soon as you see it, you're like, please turn, like, like, like miss, 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 and then they hit, it's like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. Um i don't know if you have that here but i'm just saying like yeah why what the heck like you mean an avatar yeah uh yeah you you think yeah you think that like jake is gonna uh uh, you think the diplomacy is gonna happen but it never does like he's gonna be able to bring um something that the corporate guy didn't realize or something like that or it's like hey
0: we'll like we'll trade we'll you know
2: i don't know it didn't seem to me like he'd ever be successful on that front
0: well he was saying uh like, you'd hope, like in Titanic, you hope that the yeah. that Jack isn't going to die, the ship isn't going to go down. Yeah. Like, going back to this, you don't, like, hope that they're going to...
1: No. Unfortunately, it's going
0: to... There's a different level of investment, I think, maybe.
1: It is, and but you kind of wish that was the case, where... I wish Cameron had instilled more hope in there, of, like, yeah, diplomacy is really a thing, and if Jake could have, like... But by separating him from the military, I mean, again, I know why. Uh, by separating him from the base, uh, he you know they basically make him full navi uh in a way like him become go go full native uh so like yeah i i i know what you're saying though I, I, it's just yeah
0: and i do want to say i hope we move away from jake eventually because we're focused on the part that i think is the worst part of the movie once we start talking about more stuff i'm gonna have a lot more positive stuff to say I...
2: oh i thought you meant in the franchise i didn't <laughs> no no it's just for this discussion
0: <laughs> Because we spent like an hour and a half or more on him and it, that's the part that I think is the worst part of the movie. That's
2: incredible. That is incredible. So I'm
0: excited to talk about the good stuff eventually.
2: This is the end of episode one. Stay tuned for episodes <laughs> there you two go. through four where we get into the rest of Avatar. <laughs> okay,
1: well I'm gonna, can I drop this other bomb right now? Sure. Um, well, actually first off, so like when uh, Eric, you were mentioning, you know, like, you know, it's all James Cameron. It's like how James Cameron is bringing you in this world. Does he even realize, is he, is he trying to like, I see you is like, Hmm. is he trying to show you this world that he has created and, or, you know, pilfered as some might say, uh, or, or, you know, selected, culturally appropriated others might say, depending, depends if they're millennial or not. Um, (laughs) but, um, or is it like the technology or is it both? Like, is he saying, like, look at what this technology? Yeah, that's the can thing. Do. Look at this world I've made. Like, what is is, is it one or the other? Or
2: I think it perhaps it started off as since he started working this movie at least ten years prior to when it came out because he started mm. on it so long ago. I think he he started with just the story itself concept for the most part, um, but taking in the movie as it is in two thousand nine. I definitely feel a lot of it is I want you to share my vision, not necessarily the story vision, but my vision of this technology or tech demo or what is capable, what else is capable in visual storytelling, in like media storytelling. So, yes, yes, that's why, yes, that's why I was thinking tech demo because it is holding your hand into like a new way of looking at things. As an audience member, yeah, as your own participation yeah. in, a, in a moving picture story.
1: Well, this uh, this tech demo was able to get a billion dollars. <laughs>
2: Absolutely,
0: <laughs> two billion even. Yeah, before I give some some massive compliments to the film, I wanted to say, <laughs> um, in terms of the digital photography that they use, um, I think it really complements the, basically the animated section of the movie where it turns into an animated movie. Um, but i feel like anytime we see the humans whatever kind of digital photography they're using here just doesn't have a cinematic look with regular humans and regular sets and it makes the movie look in some ways cheap and it makes it in some ways look like not a real movie
2: wait be more specific but it
0: really lends itself so well to the animated sequences i think a lot of that stuff
2: Wait, be more specific on what you mean about the look of the human uh characters in the movie
0: uh, I don't know how to be specific because, <laughs> again, it has this very, very digital look, but in a way that feels like, um, like they never put it through the proper post-production to make it look like a film. Like, even though it's moving at 24 frames per second, it feels like it's, like, I could I could imagine this not being 24 frames per second, if that makes sense.
2: You mean a higher frame rate?
0: Yeah. Like, it just has this this non-cinematic look to it, The, the live action parts of the movie. I think it
2: does, um,
0: which I think lends really well with the the animated section of the movie. Like I think a lot of that stuff has a really natural feel to it, and it makes the CGI feel more like it blends into its own world. Whereas when it when we cut back to the live action, it feels just just a little weird.
2: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm still, I'm kind of still digesting it.
0: It's difficult to explain. I was I was trying to think of how to explain it. And I just I can't.
2: <laughs> I think it's a lot. To, I think it's a lot to think about. Just, well, I'm just,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't
1: thought about. That. Hey Caleb, guess what? This is a better looking film in both effects uh, and execution than Cats. <laughs> oh god.
0: Well, there's no question. I mean, I can't even believe you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, right. It's just. <laughs> and well, the, the embarrassing
1: part to like add insult to injury to that film is that this was a 2009. <laughs> Uh, and this looks like a modern film. If, well, maybe, maybe, I actually, okay, in the year of our Lord 2022, is this uh modern film?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's, what, 13 years old now. So, no, not a modern film. But but it still feels, um, in some ways, cutting edge. It still feels like it um, is Im- visually impressive. So
1: Here's what I was going to ask you, especially with, you know, our old buds at Weta, whom we last... Uh, encountered oh, with King uh, Jack Peter Jackson's King Kong. Hmm. Um, did you think their display of com- uh, animation and you know the realization of the world. Do you think it's a lot better uh, especially with I guess the Navi? I maybe not, but uh, with with say then uh a battle or uh, elite battle angel.
0: Uh, huh. You know that one also has that weird live action element where the live action stuff doesn't feel properly cinematic in some weird way
2: <laughs> i would call it the robert Rodriguez effect and as he was about <laughs> to say
0: yeah but i feel i feel the similar thing with this movie i remember thinking that, that they had a similar because i saw it uh, maybe like a year before that movie came out i think that was 2019 right so <laughs> yep yeah, i remember thinking that they both had that weird way but but i think whatever technique they're using i, I do think it makes the cgi feel more natural like the the movements, the the way they blend to their world, I, I think a lot of that stuff. I just like there's a part of me that feels like I could watch a movie that's just about these guys in their animated world, and it'd be a really cool animated movie because it has more of a realistic feel to it than if I was watching like a Pixar movie or something like that.
2: So okay, well, like this topic, this is like one of the biggest topics to me. I mean, in reaction to watching the movie now recently. And my brain still doesn't understand it fully, like comprehending what I'm seeing with my own eyes. Because for something that is so CGI heavy um, throughout, mm-hmm. and considering it's 13 or whatever years old at this point, I, I can't imagine anything else that has held up this well. But it's not only is it held up, like viewed through modern eyes or current eyes, not only that. But I can't hardly think of anything that has better CGI. Now, you can find discrete examples here and there of CGI, but I I think (laughs) most of those examples are are short in screen time in the grand scheme of things of whatever movie you want to pull out. But for something that is so CG heavy, I don't know that anything is even best at this. Uh, I'm having trouble thinking of, of whatever that thing is. Because I, I could pick out singular scenes from The Last Jedi that look really good, but they don't take up not even 10% of the whole movie runtime, you know, like those particularly good looking CGI parts. Um, but for something of this length, I can't think of anything better. And what makes it even worse, I mean, for other movies, is I watched oh, Black Panther, um, Wakanda Forever. No, just the original Black Panther. Um, For my first time in ages, since it basically came out, um, I watched it just, like I don't know, five days ago or something. Mm. And it was terrible. It was worse than I remembered. Just talking about the visual parts. I mean, the whole movie, I hated it. But especially visually, (laughs) it was much worse than I remembered. And all the parts that involve either heavy CG or heavy CG plus make-believe background Mm mat, they are absolutely terrible. And and it's crazy how this completely destroys something of Black Panther's lack of quality. One, I hope every visual effects
1: artist on this film was compensated and paid well. And there was no crunch. There probably was crunch. Um, With this,
0: I think they really took their time.
1: Okay. Thank goodness, because then this is the right tech demo of, like, here's what you can make with, like, when the team is not rushed, and yeah. Um, Two, uh, Eric, did Weta do work again, return to working on the Hobbit trilogy?
2: Oh, it had to be Weta. Yes.
1: Oh, boy. Okay, so what do you guys think of that in comparison to this?
2: Oh, this is better. This is better.
1: Oh, boy. Hot takes. Shots I can't think
2: of anything. I can't think of anything by anyone.
0: I just want to say, uh, I just looked it up due to this conversation, and this film was originally scheduled to release in May of 2009. But because they needed more time on post-production, which I'm assuming is probably the CGI rendering, they pushed it back all the way to December. So they really gave it the time they needed to make sure it was perfect. And it's
1: still made a billion dollars. Companies, you have no excuse. Like, it, okay, regardless of what we think of the product itself, uh, this product still, like, was made with ho- hopefully almost, like, no crunch. Everybody was compensated. And it's still made a billion dollars. Flip you, Disney and Warner Brothers. Like, screw you in every sense and every dimension. Like, screw you. Pay your freaking a- visual effects artists. Anyways.
2: But I don't even know how it's a question of money, though, too, because, I mean, obviously that's something that's a part of it, but I still don't even know how it's even possible as I look at Like, I feel like someone watching 2001 um, in the year 1980 or 1990 still scratching their head, like, how the hell did they make this look so good in 1968, 69? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still confused by this movie in a 2001 visual sense, because... I feel you could throw so much money at a lot of people, and they still wouldn't be able to pull this off. Um, again, like yes, there's been digital backgrounds on their own that have looked that good in some movie that you saw for like a second, but not like a dynamic world where you're constantly in and out of it from all angles and all distances. Um, and then just in terms of like organic beings, the Navi and the other creatures on the planet, I can't think of any other CGI creatures or persons in anything that come close to this like anywhere not in star wars not in anything
1: caleb how is how is the lion king <laughs> oh
0: let's not even bring that up
3: <laughs> <laughs> what i was
0: going to mention from this same year as district 9 which featured much much less cgi but i feel like in terms of characters feeling like fully realized individuals on the screen i feel like district 9 rivals this And now it's from the same year. Um, But I'm trying to think of some more recent examples. And I think of uh, Ghost in the Shell 2017, which they really put a lot of emphasis on making their CGI work perfectly. Um, But yeah, there's there's much more bad examples than I can think of than good examples. And I don't know if that's um, just negligence on the part of studios being like, we don't care about the CGI stuff, we'll just, you know make them pump it out up to the release time and we don't care it looks because audiences don't care i don't know I, I don't know what the issue is but
2: i was surprised yesterday and i was watching it all the way through how again still with modernized 13 years later like when i'm watching other things like oh, especially star wars characters that are full cgi i can never stop thinking about whatever character it is being cgi um, no matter how much I like or dislike the movie, the particular one I'm watching, I can never s- not think about them being CGI, whether it's Jar Jar or or Digital Jabba or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, like I I just get completely lost in it. Even even watching it in 2D, because you could say in 3D it's a little bit difficult, more difficult to discern. What, I mean, when you have the polarized lenses and whatnot, so mm-hmm. that, you know it's a bit dimmer. But even watching in full 2D glory brightness in terms of brightness i am not thinking about them like at first i am because i'm still my brain is like you know trying to take it in no i just i just completely accept that these are like i guess yeah it's the closest thing to like um uh what's the guy's name stan winston the the famous animatronic uh guy what's it yeah or phil tippett one of those two but it's the closest thing to what they do with practical effects that I've ever seen in CG. To this day, to this day, to this day.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what I was saying. If we get to that stuff. Oh, I think Pandora is an incredible invention. I do absolutely want to spend more time in that place. Maybe I don't care about Jake. I don't need to spend more movies on him, but this planet exploring all these different animals. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible, I think. And that's why I'm so excited for the next one because it's going to focus on the water aspect. Oh, you couldn't pick something that hits my sweet spot more, so. (laughs) Yeah, and I do think um, maybe that's why they chose such a strange kind of um, look for the live-action stuff to try to make it blend with this, because I feel like the movie does have a really good unified sense, even though more than half of it is an animated film, essentially. Like, I don't feel like the live-action stuff feels jarring in comparison to that.
2: For me, it's like a a weird continuation of just the James Cameron timeline because when I think back to not too long ago when when I watched True Lies, you know, they pushed the boundaries of practical effects as much as they could go at that point. And there was this stark contrast that was was, um, distracting, like with the, uh, I can't tell how many of them were green screen versus rear projection, but those types of scenes in that movie, especially during the climax, like they... They really visually take you out of it. Like you, it's, it's a very obvious contrast yeah. um, when it's not real with the thing that you're seeing. And then I see Titanic as like a middle step where it was pretty good, but not certainly not perfect. Certainly not by modern standards to the modern, like it perfectly worked at the time, but and it still works now, Titanic, but it's like halfway between True Lies and Avatar. Whereas Avatar, they just like got the balance right.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it is interesting thinking of Cameron's just his like style of filmmaking up to this point. We talked about how Titanic was such a leap. This is another gigantic leap, I think, in some ways.
2: It really is. And another thing I connected from Cameron's previous work to this, or I was thinking about a lot. The part where uh Natiri where she really, really cries. And I, I can't remember because there's more than one. But the one where she cries the most. The <laughs> like, dad? More than one. It might have been that one. Uh, but whatever one it was, I was just like really looking at her tears. Like the teardrops. And how it really, really looked like real water. And I was like in my mind thinking like from abyss to the, the water creature mm. to this teardrop. Like it's just Crazy. Um, what transpired from like '89 to 2009, like it—it it absolutely looks like it just touched that teardrop. It—it it looks like it's like the most realistic teardrop, like real tears on film don't even look that real. And in a way, like again, like both True
1: Lies and Titanic, you could say there's obviously practical effects, isn't like you know the, the the a physical model uh that's in there in the shots. Uh, or they use as a shot instead. That is, that is real. Um, they they use mostly like it's probably like in True Lies, it's probably like ninety five percent practical effects, and then like five percent that's uh, CGI or computer effects, excuse me. And then Titanic, maybe it's a little more like. Where would you say, Eric? Like maybe seventy percent practical effects and then like 30% maybe that's not an actor this movie. movie no 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 for Titanic
2: oh Titanic
1: yeah cause it is an actual model of Titanic I know right? That.
2: I don't know like I feel like that's not even 30% of the movie I don't even know how to calculate it but yeah fair enough yeah. I'm just
1: making numbers up but this, so is, this is more on show.
2: the wide shots really of the ship and that's about it when you really yeah. think
1: about it I'm just thinking of in, in this where it's like Cameron this is his first time Doing, like everything digital, and like you know, boy, ten years. By the way, between this is, is this Caleb? What you kind of wanted to see? What you know? Is this a better version of Attack of the Clones? (laughs) <laughs> oh, there's oh no my comparison. God, that's a silly question. I know it is there's a comparison, no comparison question, but it's just like if if Lucas is the one to try to start the ball rolling with with like you know, d- digital cameras and filming everything on green screen and having everything be done in computer and in post. Do you think this is the this is the right amount and the and the right work ethic here? Is it and and Cameron having the right idea over Lucas? Is that that's my question?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I figured <laughs> the the technology was primitive. George Lucas was ambitious to the point of foolishness. They knew what they were doing <laughs> here.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, fair enough. I I admit that. So yeah, I'm just I'm just in awe and <laughs> and praise Cameron for I think getting it right. Not just this right, but like the fact that he transitioned between like, you know, his last film was The Titanic and now it's this where there's like less Um, practical effects and it's mostly just all green screen but he's made green screen work Um, especially with all like digital images as well
0: and again so much of it just lives in its own world that feels feels like a real world it feels vibrant it feels alive it doesn't feel like you're just watching it like a live somewhat live action cartoon it feels like its own unique world and I think that's really really special and again, it doesn't feel like a like a Pixar movie or or something like that. Which I'm not saying anything's wrong with those movies. I really love those too, but it really does feel in some ways like it's live action, even though it's not. It's it's really interesting illusion. I I'm not sure how to describe it.
2: Yeah, I, I don't I don't I still can't figure out what the secret sauce is because like you mentioned the Hobbit uh, trilogy, and you know those look fantastic on 4K hdr like they look like the cgi it's really high quality you know and it's got fantastic detail and everything but yet it suffers from that from like because when you say uncanny uncanny valley you're specifically talking about usually like human characters looking human uh versus like automatized like like um um like motorized zombies or something um but like the the world of the Hobbit trilogy as amazing as it looks, it has this uncanny valley of 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 setting if that makes sense, like like no even though it looks so good you're never convinced that that's like a really real land or landscape or or whatever it is, and I don't know what the secret sauce is to make Pandora look like you can believe it versus. Something like The Hobbit, where you, you don't really believe it, um, you just take it in as its own like fantasy or something.
1: It's yeah, it's more fantasy than it is like real, like <laughs> science fiction.
2: <laughs> but I don't, but I don't know what it, how you make one look more real than the other or tangible. I, I don't know. I feel
1: like in that in that film or in those films, at least what I like remember seeing images of, there's like a filter or a gloss over it. Oh god! I'm like, there's there's no real gloss in this film.
2: The other thing that blew me away is that yeah, I actually watched the movie I watched right before Avatar. In preparation for this, was I happened to watch um, How to Train Your Dragon, which I had not seen in ages, um, and to see that movie, which came out in 2010, and and that movie, like it's it's obviously the the non Pixar standard for 2010 of like what all CGI movies like the standard they looked at that mm-hmm. point and and you can still see like in that movie all the characters have that unnatural sheen that's really obvious like in in the original toy story like they Mm -hmm. have this weird metallic glow to them um which by the way they fixed a lot by how to train your dragon 2 because i started watching that the other day so they already fixed it like in four years for that franchise but how in the world could I go from watching Pandora in 2009 to watching How to Train Your Dragon in 2010? Just judging the animation, it's like two different universes completely. Um, it's, it, I don't know. There's, there's no through line. I still don't know how it's possible.
1: It's because DreamWorks actually like got their head out of their rear, <laughs> especially after. after no, but
2: like even the, there's hundreds of people who worked on the effects of this movie. Obviously, those movie, those people have made movies since. And taking that knowledge with them, so how has it never really been recreated, on, like ever on this scale? Like you,
1: you just said you're, you just literally answered your questions. That is those people, like they went, they went out there and you know uh, multiplied, but instead uh, the multiplication of others came and overtook their ideas, and instead all well, that, and also crunch and demand because uh, I guess blockbuster escalation
0: <laughs> of the 2010s. I also think maybe the differential there is James Cameron's passion. I mean, he knew exactly what he wanted here. I love the, I mean, maybe this is a weird thing to say, but I feel like the, the consistency of the camera work helps the, the, the two feel like they're blended and makes the, the CGI stuff feel more like live action. Like I feel like he keeps his same kind of flowing camera style. It feels very, uh, personal in a way. And I feel like that helps it feel more like it's live action, even though it's animated. So just little touches and obviously spending enough time making sure the CGI is not like that horrible scene in King Kong when they're uh, in that giant chase. Do you guys remember that? Where it's like a stampede. Yes. Uh, at the
2: end or? Yes. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Was... Where it's
0: stunning. Where you're like, how did anyone let this? Why didn't they just cut this whole sequence? It looks so horrible. Do
2: you think that's bad? Watch the similar scene in uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull.
0: It's the same thing. and It's like James Cameron... At least the James Cameron that made this this movie here would not have allowed those scenes to go to his movie because he would recognize that it would you know break the the illusion of being in a film. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, I'm watching horrible effects. Like he, there's no moments in this movie where I suddenly feel pulled out. So I'm like, oh, that feels jarring or out of place. Anything like that. Yeah. See, those are meandering set, uh, set pieces
1: that certain Sony exclusive games have a problem with as well. Currently. <laughs> oh wow. Shots fired. <laughs> yep, shots fired. And I own a PS5, so I can say that.
0: And I'll say it gets to the point that um, even though it doesn't take me out, when I see the humans interacting, I'm almost like, oh, the it doesn't look how I th- regular, regularly think of a movie looking with people in it. And so that almost feels weird. But again, it looks enough like the, the CGI world that I feel like they can all exist in the same space. It doesn't feel like jarring or anything, but it does just look kind of... It almost looks like the human scenes look like they're existing in a CGI movie, rather than the opposite, if that makes sense. <laughs>
1: Caleb, take us somewhere positive after, like, almost two hours. What positive stuff do you have to say about this movie before you tear it or anyone?
0: <laughs> oh, I feel like I've been tearing it a new one all, most of this time. I mean, I've complimented the, the CGI stuff. But That's fair. I also have lots of compliments for James Horner's score. So maybe if you want to discuss some of that, I think it's... Uh, Rest in peace, buddy. Yeah, I think I think overall this is a, re- a really good piece of work for him, and especially the scene when their home tree gets destroyed. The piece of music that he uses there, I think, is just fantastic and really emphasizes the emotion of that scene. Like in the theater, I definitely felt very impacted by that that moment. Yeah, the vi- the the visuals
1: match the score, and the score match the visuals.
0: Yep, definitely.
1: Um, I heard some bits maybe of either aliens or so, not not the. You know the sudden dings or whatever. I
2: just I feel I feel like I. Oh yeah.
1: I heard some stuff.
2: There's a certain peril theme that Horner uses in all his movies, and you definitely hear it in this, which is also heavily in aliens.
1: Yeah. Again, I'm I'm not the biggest music critic, but like I know, and especially like yes, like I guess like composer criticism as well. That's a thing, so I can't comment, but. That's a whole thing on like Horner himself of like what he's like over each movie he's in. That's, that's another thing that one can like extrapolate and pontificate over for hours and look under a microscope with. I love it, but I don't have, I can't do it.
2: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Those, those scores of his that stand out and all sound the same. I I love it all. It it like connects in a weird way, connects all his movies nostalgically for me from Krull to Rathacon, to Search for Spock.
1: Keep forgetting he did Crawl, that's funny. To
2: Aliens, to this. Like, and all having super samey scores, I, I don't care. Like, I just love it. I, I love the James Horner scores pretty much across the board.
0: Yeah, and using the horns, his old kind of trademark horns in this one, felt like kind of a, kind of a, what's the word? Like a signature. It was like, here, here's something that I used to do and I'm pulling it back. But some of those, yeah, 80s ones, it did feel just like he was Essentially recycling his previous scores.
2: Well, not only that, but there's the heavy Titanic um, inclusion.
0: Yeah, especially when they're
1: about to go the iceberg. (laughs) Although that's like in Titanic itself. Sorry, the wrong wrong film. Besides Caleb, what are you talking about? It's like of course he uses horns. It's it's after his namesake. For good sakes. Oh, there you go. There you go. He knew. Yeah. hey did you uh did you like the uh how would i put this did you like the um uh tie-in song by the way was it it a lot was it a lot better than uh, my heart will go on
0: oh i think both of them just feel corny and and bland no (laughs) straight up but i mean
2: i liked it at the time i I listened to it a fair amount at the time the movie came out but and while i can't listen to my heart will go on now uh i certainly love that song more when titanic was fresh
0: yeah this one feels worse than the titanic one yeah but they both i think feel a little uh corny i think
1: <laughs> straight up i forgot there was a there was an end song like i completely forgot about that this was an end song the only like two okay two and a half songs i can actually like think of and like play in my head off the top of my head is um, the end song to pacific rim and then oh black God. panther and then I sort of remember the one from Lita Battle Angel.
0: Black Panther one was great. All the stars, are Freaking
1: think. amazing. Yep, all the stars. Hey, yeah, Kendrick Lamar. By that and SZA. Like, good job, guys. That was great. And, um, freaking, I don't know if you remember the Pacific Rim one, but it had, um, it had Riza in it. it so it had RZA in it. I don't oh, wow. No, I don't remember oh, that what one. That was her name. No, it's, I, I, because I listened to the soundtrack last year, and that's a great soundtrack.
2: I liked it with the movie. I mean, I don't listen to it still, but I quite, I quite like that song that was the closing credits of Tenet.
1: Oh my goodness, that's such a good song by it's like one of the best Travis Scott songs ever.
0: Well, since we're talking about Christopher Nolan, I definitely recognize that one doctor who was in uh, on Inception. Inception. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, I haven't seen that guy in a while.
2: Oh, that's where I know his face from. Yep, I remember him. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Like, I couldn't yeah. figure out where he was familiar from, and that that's it.
0: Yeah, I remember for a few years it felt like he was popping up all over the place in bit rolls, and then he kinda of disappeared. But um Oh, but how do we feel about Sigourney Weaver being back? How do we feel about her impact as the uh as Grace here?
1: Uh let's see, I'm trying to think back to like other Cameron films. Um <laughs> She's kinda like Lindsay, I guess. Oh, uh, okay. so okay. I can see it. Not, I can not... see it. Not not a full on like you know obviously not the same
0: character because then that would just be
1: wait who's around.
0: Lindsay? The uh, Bud's uh, wife in the Abyss. Virgil.
2: Oh okay.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm sure that uh, uh, whatever the villains care, I'm sure he thinks that she's the queen bitch of the universe to some to some degree.
1: Coffee. Oh wait. Uh yeah, Quaritch. Quaritch. Quar, excuse me. Uh yeah, for Is that enough. the villain's
0: name in this? Quaritch. Yeah. Oh wow.
1: Yeah, Quaritch. Wow. Um she's kind of that way, although not. Well, okay, not not. Okay, not what you said, but like, um, just be, maybe to him. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, she's, you know, she's, uh, she's got. A, I, I think she's got her own character. Um, is she fully three D like well written character with agency? Uh, I'd say so. Is she a stereotype slash cliche? You know the the one who's with the native and or one with the indigenous and doesn't like the company it's like uh certainly and like you know why is she still with the company because she still wants to like make a difference with even with like them being there i guess i don't
0: know well i mean there's a i think there's a comment there on scientific endeavors and military uh kind of industrial complex yeah of course Very much linked throughout history so i think that comment makes sense but Mm-hmm.
1: No, I think you're right on that. Thank you for telling me that. Um, well, I mean, she had dem- like she's a setup to what's going to happen to Jake at the end, except a successful version instead of her. Thanks. Stuffed in the fridge. No, I'm just kidding. She's not
0: stuffed in the fridge. Well, I'll say, uh, now having seen the trailers for Avatar The Way of Water, almost every time I go to the movie theater and I go once a week, I've definitely been uh, thinking a lot more about her potential inclusion in that movie. Hey, don't spoil it. I haven't seen that trailer yet. Exactly. I'm being. I'm being. Uh, they don't make it clear. You you have to recognize her voice to, to see where she is in there. But she was the freaking computer voice in uh, Wally. Oh, I'd never seen that. I keep meaning to watch that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. There you go. All
2: I know is I've been looking. Or today I was looking into the the cast credits on IMDb for for Avatar too, and those things aren't always accurate on imdb for movies that haven't come out yet Mm -hmm. but let's just say there's something there and but not only that there's some other curious faces that come up on the imdb so i don't really know what to think about a lot of things
1: dude i freaking remember like scouring imdb after or some either imdb i think it was imdb after like avatar came out because you know i like the film i love the film a lot I was like, oh, when's the next one coming out? I still remember like looking up like Avatar 2 and seeing that Weaver and um, uh, Stephen Lang were going to be in the sequel. I'm like, what the heck? How does that make sense? Yeah. And that like Avatar 2 and 2 was going to be in like 2014 and 3 was going to be in <laughs> yeah. 16. And my like pea brain teenage mind was just like, I cannot comprehend what 2014 and 2016 is going to well, be like. So yeah, far away.
2: Michelle Rodriguez. The reason I went on this rabbit hole today is because because when I was checking into watching Avatar again on the Letterboxd app, and I was looking up Avatar, I noticed they already have all the entries already preloaded for Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5.
1: They had those back in like 2010. I swear. Yeah, yeah,
2: and they're still there, and so that's why and they even list the cast again. What the fudge. uh, uh, For the future movies. And the IMDb one is pretty similar. Um, like, lists pretty much the similar stuff, and that's why I'm just like, what in the world? Um, yeah, and i don't know i don't know you know what to say about this and
0: i haven't checked that um i just could tell watching the trailers i was like hey wait a minute that i think that's sigourney weaver and so yeah we'll definitely discuss that uh, relatively soon how she plays in that movie but
2: <laughs> yeah she seems fine i mean hey she's back Woo. she seems fine in this movie i don't think she stands out in a positive way as much as she has in some of her more iconic roles um with or without cameron uh but that being said, someone said something about her being like a, um, like a... You didn't use the word archetype, but just like... Cliche, stereotype. Cliche, stereotype. I kind of feel like almost every single character yes. in this whole entire movie. And I feel like that's probably by design. I remember having this conversation back on the podcast in 2009. But I just feel like they all are, and I'm okay with it. I'm perfectly okay with
0: it. You could say design. I feel like laziness i i truly do oh. feel like james cameron's intent was to create this world he spent so much time thinking of the designs thinking of how to realize it thinking of the technology the cgi that he purposely gave us bare bones characters because he was like that stuff's not my my focus here origin story the story the story almost feels like it's more utility in order to give us this world that's why i say it feels more like an origin piece than a real story on its own.
2: I don't even I don't even know if characters are his thing in general, um, in any of his movies because
0: it's interesting.
2: All all his characters and virtually all his movies to some degree have been like cliches, and certainly some have stood out in particular um, as better than others or more memorable than others. But in the grand scheme of things, I kind of feel like almost all his characters are, are cliche. Like in, name the movie.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, especially his previous three titanic and then true lies or i guess previous two
2: <laughs> but like even aliens like everyone has like oh i love this character i love that character or this one yet they're all cliche guys out of like every um yeah. war movie and yeah yet... Ripley
0: is new to really the or Ripley herself is really the big standout in terms of character
2: yeah that's true
0: And he didn't even create that character
1: <laughs> and yet said cliche characters or said
0: cliche marine characters are still memorable as they had right, great actors right. performing him.
3: Yeah, uh, uh, uh.
0: Great for those roles. He, he knew how to pick people to really stand out. And again, I think that's a weakness of him here. Like, even something like True Lies, he could see something in um, Tom Arnold. Fuck. Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. <laughs> it's a hard name to say when you're drunk. You uh, could see something in that guy that maybe other people didn't see and knew that he would make that bit character really shine. This one, I've I feel like. Almost none of the characters shine except for Zoe Saldana. Saldana, okay. but go ahead.
2: Do you know who the character was who really stood out for me and my cousin, who were both tickled by this movie at, at the time, and still are to this day? And whenever we meet up, like our standout character personally, who just like makes the movie for us, even if it is a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh,
0: that uh, the guy from Friends, the uh, the, the boss the
2: guy from Friends. Yeah.
0: Who's
1: the guy from Friends? Oh, oh yeah, the VO the guy.
0: Uh, Giovanni Ribisi. I just looked him up. I don't know the character's name.
2: He was in Friends?
0: Yeah, he was in Friends, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, I didn't know he was ever in Friends. And other stuff. Uh, no, it's not Giovanni Ribisi.
0: It was Phoebe's, like, brother or something like that. <laughs> Sorry. I did not what know that. fudge? That's interesting. I kind didn't
1: of know that. No,
2: it is Colonel Miles Quaritch. Are you kidding me? First name's Miles? Awesome. He He... Oh my god, he unintentionally like makes the movie for me and my cousin. We are.
1: Uh, I'm gonna go to the bathroom now for 20 minutes or so and bring the bite back. We are
2: tickled pink with all his little things, all his little things that he says, all his dialogue, all his moments, all his speeches. Like we just we obsess over, it. and it's so silly, it's so cartoonish, but it's yep. it just feels perfect for us. We, we oh, oh he's wow. like the greatest thing. Hmm. And I was really hoping he, his career was going to blow up after this. And he only had like one or two notable roles um, soon after Avatar. And he kind of like fell off the map again. But he just seems like somebody, an actor, that someone like Tarantino or somebody could use in their own thing and, and make into who knows what. Yeah. Uh, I just love the guy. I love him. And I love all his lines. And and me and my cousin try to like remember his quotes and like parrot him. Back. And we've done it ever since we've seen the movie. And we still do it um and he's just hilarious he's he, i just think he's just such a perfect uh, mustache twirling villain in a cartoonish way but it, it's just it just hits the perfect note for me
0: yeah i could see that making a big difference uh for me that is definitely not the case i i just feel like he he feels like a cartoon yeah and, and i guess that you enjoy that
2: yes but it's so funny it's so funny it's so funny
0: He's, yeah. Oh my
2: God. He, I mean, it's almost on the level for me as like uh, George Scott in uh, in uh, Doctor Strangelove. Perfect. That's what he feels like to me. If there was a modern remake of Doctor Strangelove, but that was good, like he's a character who would exist in that movie.
0: I, I think the tonal uh, the tonal difference is maybe what, what catches me. Like, it definitely doesn't feel like it's meant to be comedic. When we see the destruction of Home Tree, oh,
2: like I say, it's like weirdly unintentional. It yeah. just it just works. Well,
0: that's the thing is, I don't know if it's because it feels like he's giving a very particular performance, meant to be this kind of over the top, ridiculous kind of villain, but it just doesn't necessarily. Maybe, maybe
2: he's more. He maybe he was intended more to channel, instead of channeling somebody from Doctor Strangelove, Maybe he was intended or like um, modeled after like um, Dorsey Scott in uh, in Patton or something
0: oh that's funny I was going to say uh, Kilgore in Apocalypse Now he kind of feels like that kind of character oh, I love geez. the smell smelly uh, napalm in the morning
2: oh yeah 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 oh he's so good too he's so good oh he's
0: brilliant in that Yeah. You know. but no I, I just feel like the and especially when we get to the, the final kind of climax with him fighting in the mech eh, I, I just feel less interested because I'm like this, this villain feels like a cartoon I don't really care about if Jake's human body survives i'm sure they could find way around it
2: that that bit i would say was was a bit anticlimactic for me yeah that whole showdown um i get it's like the prerequisite the final showdown and and it is a little bit that whole scene is a little bit like in the horror movie when michael myers gets up for <laughs> for a second ending yeah it's a, a little bit like that but okay it, it was okay enough, at least to show the vulnerability, vulnerability, of Jake's true self in the machine.
1: So I just had this thought, Caleb, um, about Grace that I didn't, I didn't think of before. But going back to my Princess Mononoke analogy, or just idea that there's like I, there's things that remind me of this. But it's I don't think he took it took ideas for Avatar from Monoke. Um Is that like with Grace? She's like if a villager in Irontown uh, was with the spirits and with the forest but mostly in that they're they're not full yeah they're not fully not until like the very end ish yeah like once once like some of the villagers get betrayed by some of the emperor's men then like some of them start to like side with the spirits but like... Not really. i was just like, okay, so she's kind of like that if that was the case, but not so much.
2: But by bringing that up, you made me think of something else. Other thoughts that I had about this movie since long ago.
1: I'm an enabler.
2: <laughs> um, because while there are a lot of parallels, I think, to Princess Mononoke, it's not just because of that movie in particular. Um, I have one friend still who's a holdout who refused to watch this movie when it came out, and to this day has not seen it and I have tried pretty damn hard to force him but anyway because I keep telling him I think he's going to like it and one of the reasons why I think he's going to like it is because he's, he's really heavy into anime um, and not just Princess Mononoke but I always felt like this movie had this like it was doing anime through a western lens um, because I always felt that this was just a very Gaia type of story in general Mm. And it, God, it even blurs things more because I was going to say there's something about the world that looks really Final Fantasy, but that's not really fair because I think it, it might be the other way around because I think it's Final Fantasy 15. A lot of that fictional world or landscape looks very Pandora like. Um, but see, again, that's like the chicken after the egg um, instead of the other way around. But. this just gives in general this gives me uh a feeling of a western interpretation of some like eastern sci-fi and i i would just have to imagine that that was in cameron's head too in the creative stages of this
1: yeah yeah i I wonder do you think this is closest he's well, not closest but is this another like closer step to like him getting towards
0: godzilla (laughs) Uh, I don't know about that, but...
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know about
1: that!
3: <laughs> I know,
0: I know about that, I'm sorry. But I do remember, at the time, his next project was going to be Battle Angel Alita. So he was thinking a little bit about manga and, and anime, kind of Japanese sensibilities. So so I could definitely see that, that seeping in. I mean, we haven't talked too much about the, the Na'bi, uh, the designs, or their, their culture. Uh, how do you guys feel like that element like it comes across do you feel like it feels like its own fully realized people or just kind of archetypes as well so does he
1: amalgamate every single like disenfranchised minority group out there as in like both indigenous people from africa um does he pretty much like mold them all into one
2: Mm. wait what
1: (laughs) I'm saying, like, the Na'vi are a combination between, like, indigenous peoples and then, like, people from Africa. I don't see too many, like, South American, like, like Mayan or Aztec. Uh, I don't see any of that uh, in their designs, but it's mostly, yeah, just the indigenous and, like, African as well.
0: Yeah, just design-wise, or? Oh, I just, yeah, design, well, not just
1: design, but also, like, culture-wise. Some of their, our, our, uh, their weaponry as well so I'm just like I guess it's a combination between the two I can only I can extrapolate from that some words as well sound African I mean I don't know vaguely Um, that's just me though
2: well it it sounds really like indigenous like to this continent the language to me Um, and what really like sells it or makes it seem that way for me is ironically or not Wes Studi is both in Dance of the Wolves and in this movie um and i have had a love affair with west Studi ever since *Dances with wolves and i can always recognize him visually but in this movie in the theater i knew right away it was him from the first time i heard his voice when he spoke as the patriarch of, of the navi tribe. yeah this tribe and i knew it was west Studi. and when he's especially him when he's pronouncing this made-up language It just sounds like him doing whenever he does an indigenous speaking voice in in whatever name, whatever movie that he's been in. And so it just, and maybe it's just, that's how he sounds. So maybe that's why it kind of pushed me in that direction.
1: Yeah. I think, I think they are fully realized by the way, they have a culture. I hope a lot of that goes, we we go into more of that in the way of water, but we'll see how that goes. So what do you want to say, Caleb?
0: Yeah, I, I do agree. I think that they feel developed enough that it, like works um but i was just watching the scene where they uh where grace gets injured and they bring her there and try to like combine her with her avatar so she doesn't need to have the human side anymore setup it definitely does especially now feel like just a big setup scene because it doesn't really go anywhere in this movie but they linger on it for so long that you're like why are we spending so much time here so very curious to see how that develops in the next one (laughs) certainly it's so funny you're saying you're there. I'm literally on the fight between, like, Korich and uh, Deteri. Oh, yeah. I had to pause for, for ages because I was waiting to bring something up. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> it's the reverse of me. Holy
0: crap. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, so Caleb...
1: Uh, actually, sorry. Eric, what do you think uh, are the Na'vi fully realized?
2: Well, first I want to say, because I didn't... When I heard the initial question, I wasn't thinking about the Na'vi in particular per se. Um, I was thinking about the world in general and, and all the creatures not be included and something this movie really reminds me of is I don't know if y'all have seen this or if other people hearing my voice have seen this but there was this special that came out I think in 2005 um, on the Discovery Channel in the US and it was called Alien Planet have y'all ever heard of this
1: I've heard this me too I didn't watch it but I've I've heard of it it's probably in the zeitgeist
2: well you should definitely seek it out anyone who can hear my voice right now because I just randomly stumbled upon it just channel surfing back in the day. And I was like, what is this? And the way it's presented, it's like watching like a, a regular nature documentary. It's kind of like watching, when you think about the concept behind Walking with Dinosaurs, if you ever mm-hmm. watched that. Great show. How they try to do it like it's a real documentary, if you could actually you know, take a camera crew into like prehistoric times. Well, this is the same concept, except it's this alien planet. That where Earth is discovered, or where humans have discovered sentient life, or not sentient life, but just life on this other planet, and it's done as if it's a real, you know, mockumentary. Um, and as you like journey on the planet through the documentary, and I believe it's, it was based upon a book that was like really thought out ahead of time, and that's what they based this on. Um, you can you can see that all the different creatures on this make believe world. Like, there's some sense to, like, why certain characteristics, you know, are among multiple species of the planet, you know, and you kind of get how it all works. Um, and it kind of, like, makes sense in your head in a scientific kind of way. And this movie and the world very much reminds me of that whole alien planet thing. Like, it is, it is so reminiscent of... Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like, what is it? And I'm also interested into why or how the Navi are like the only really bipedal species we see, Um, or they're the only four limb species that we see when every other species has six, um, six limbs. And I don't know, were they six limb as well, but maybe they lost two of their limbs, um, you know, in their evolution. I don't know, but I was I, I am just mesmerized. I could just, just go into like a, a mental prison of just thinking about this make-believe world of Pandora forever, just thinking about all the ins and outs of that. Now, as far as the Na'vi themselves, yeah, I, I mean they are just, or they come across as like an amalgam of all like um, tribal peoples of this planet, or or tribal peoples, or tribal prehistoric peoples from any like sci-fi or fantasy you've ever experienced it is kind of like an amalgam of all that but i mean i don't know it it's all good as far as i can tell like it's it's all perfectly done for me for my purposes now i know for some people it felt on the nose to them that it was you know like specifically channeling um indigenous people of north america or the americas because some people are just like way too fixated on that when it comes to the the colonizers and all that. I mean, of course, there's that element, but it's not just. The, I mean, it's not just that to me. I mean, that's like kind of dumbing it down for me if you if you're only looking at it well from that angle.
0: Again, I don't know how depthful some of the commentary is here. I mean, I think the the colonizer aspect is somewhat one dimensional. I mean, maybe the fact that they add in. It's not just they want the land but they want the resource maybe that adds a different shade to it but
2: well I'm just saying no there's there's no there's no problem with that in of itself but to only tie it to the colonization of North America in your mind while well, that of course that's a thing I don't see why it only has to be that
0: yeah and the, the unobtainium definitely at least to me feels like it was very much a, a parallel of the times with. Yeah, the, the wars for oil. I mean, I just feel like that's... I, I feel like that's what he was going for, knowing Cameron's kind of political leanings.
2: Well, again, then that, like, ties it back to Dune in my head. And that's fine. And that's fine. But like I said, I'm just talking about those people who narrowly focus on, like, the North American experience.
0: Uh, where else do we have to... Uh, I guess there's Natiri. I really don't know if I have much to say about her. Um, She's... More of a device than a real character. I I feel like in some ways as well. She's just his end of him falling in love with her is him falling in love love with the culture.
2: Even on its face, though, I'm okay with that. If that's all that it
0: was, it works well enough. And I think, um, unlike most of the cast, Zoe Saldana is the one that I feel like really does stand out. Like I feel like her take on that character feels distinct, and it feels like if you cast a different actress the character would have been different. I feel like almost almost no one else really feels that, that way to me. So so definitely points to her for giving more to a character that really didn't have much to it.
2: Well mostly. However I feel Stephen Lang does his own thing. I know anyone could have played like an <laughs> oppressive military leader, but That's fair. I still feel there's a certain Lang flavor that I appreciate specifically.
1: Yeah, so she's no she's no San uh, her son's Princess Mononoke. Yeah, well, I know that for a fact. But I just realized that it's a reverse of Titanic, where in maybe the same, really, it's the same. But I'm just, I guess, like gender swapped, uh, where it's Kate Winslet who's learning, you know, about the lower class and how much more lively they are in that in that film, uh, other than like the up there, stick up their butts, uh, rich rich people and upper class twits. Um, here it's it's uh, Jake Sully and the, you know, monosyllabic humans or whatever, um, and sees, you know, the, the Navi culture a lot better and more lively.
2: Well, when you pair it, compare it to Titanic, I think it's a bit of both. Um, it's not a whole gender swap. I think it's a, it's a, it's a trans swap, um, because you do have that same dynamic like Titanic, but I think some of the elements stick with the male and female character and then some of the elements swap with the male and female character if that makes any sense
1: well yeah because again like if jack's the one that's guiding rose throughout the entire film like she isn't really other than like giving there. see so, yeah in that one like rose does give jack some tips and same with um uh what's her name uh um uh, I forget I forget the misery actor. Uh Kathy Bates. Uh her yeah, her her character also tries to give um Jack some, you know, uh t- tips when he's in the upper class. But yeah. really like Jake here, that's a funny coincidence, uh, Jack and Jake. Anyway, um
2: Probably not in Cameron's mind. Probably not,
1: but but our, <laughs> uh it's just funny that his last protagonist was named or his last male protagonist was named Jack and since Jake's like, okay. But anyway, um Few letters off there if you switch them around a bit, but never does Jake give Natiri anything from Earth other than like what he looks like at the end.
2: Other than, yeah, she initially obviously introduces him to the Navi and Pandora world, but he gives her a little bit more, he doesn't give her like humanness or whatever, but or a look into the human world, but he does give her a look into a different perspective
1: that's that's fair also i guess english
2: (laughs) well he she got that pre jake
1: yeah that's true
2: answer me this because see now i can't separate the theatrical from the extended cut so in the straight up theatrical did they talk about her sister
0: no okay
2: i i was wondering that so now that's uh
0: didn't even know she had one
2: Okay, so that must be... Okay, now I know what all the things are in the expanded cut that differ.
0: Okay, okay. So that, that, that
1: was what I was going to say, was that if Natiri had a sister or a sibling, then Jake could
2: relate to her and they could talk about siblings. That's what I was going to bring mm. up. And I, thank yes. you for reminding me. Exactly. Exactly. That is that is a duality between the two characters in the extended version. Absolutely. Okay,
1: so let me ask... Okay, let's go here. Not that... Uh, uh,
2: anybody want to talk about Norm? No. Uh, <laughs> I thought, I thought not. I, I love him in this movie. I had only ever seen him prior to this. I have some friends who love this cult movie, Grandma's Boy, which I never would have known that it even existed if it wasn't for my friends who were into this cultish movie. And so I've seen that movie, Grandma's Boy, a few times thanks to association with them. And, and he's the ridiculous um, antagonist in that movie. And he's the antagonist in some other movie. I can't think of right now I but i
1: just remember him from dodgeball
2: oh, but especially in, in grandma's boy he plays this this idiot character who's obsessed with like emulating like neo from the matrix he, he's like he's one of those people you remember when there was people like that who kind of like dressed in that matrix aesthetic like with trench coats and sunglasses. Yep.
1: and I I don't, but retroactively knowing or looking back in the culture, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, so he played this character who was obsessed with like being like, anyway. And I, I just really, I found him, I thought he was great in this movie. And like Stephen Lang, like I mentioned earlier, I thought he was another person who was going to, like his career was going to maybe explode after this movie. And I was just, oh, not so much. Um, but what was, okay, what about the sister though? oh hang on, hang on hang on we still got another one um
1: michelle rodriguez i think she acts great in this um she departed from fast and furious for a while she took a break i think this oh, was this 2000 okay was it four she left because she's teased in the end of five and she's in six that's right and they get her back in six that's that okay that's the, that was the whole thing okay sorry because then
2: spoiler for me on my fast and furious journey i'm on but, God! Okay. No, it's funny, funny, but i kind of knew that anyway
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, you gotta, you gotta, after this, like, drink a whole bottle of tequila or something like that so you can forget about this.
2: <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> what I'm gonna do.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, Eric, for
0: spoiling. Oh, yeah, and this is, this is still during my love affair with Michelle Rodriguez ever since Resident Evil, then Lost. Oh, I just had such a thing for her. She is a working woman.
1: Goodness gracious, she's in like Whoa, everything. What does man. that mean? <laughs> do you think her like you think her career blew up after this, just going with no, like it... what you know Eric said?
2: It was already something before this.
0: After this point it started to decline, I think. Oh sad. But she's in the new Dungeons and Dragons movie.
2: Oh fudge. I yeah, forgot about that. I've always been here for Michelle Rodriguez. I she's the perfect person to play the token Latina girl in whatever the thing is. And even though I kind of think she's almost like a one-trick pony in a way, a little bit. It's it's a one it's a one-trick pony that I am not bothered by in any possible way. Um, I've always been, yeah, like a weird fangirl for Michelle Rodriguez, despite her one-dimensionality. If I want to be honest about like as far as her being an actress, and she and she really plays like again, like everybody else, like most of the people in this movie, she plays a token character. Mm-hmm. But for me, because it is her. I don't really have much to complain about.
0: Yeah, she, she again, you don't even really care or think about the character that much because she brings charisma to the role. And she's charming on screen. And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes I can just carry it. And I feel like that's something that Cameron could maybe utilize more throughout this movie. And he's done it in the past, so.
2: And I also think, depending on how you feel about it, results will vary. But I think she's a, a slightly better realized version of uh what was her name in aliens was it Sanchez? Vasquez? <laughs> Vasquez? I always want to call her Sanchez for some reason.
1: Actually she's yeah she's Vas- Vasquez and uh Farrell. I the guess pilot.
2: she's like she's the domesticated um Vasquez. <laughs> oh wow. Um because she's like the the friendlier nicer one you don't think is going to bite your head off in real life if if you knew the person. And I don't know, it, And weirdly for me even though it doesn't doesn't bother me at all. That a white actress is playing Vasquez, I guess it works a little bit better when it is someone named Rodriguez. Even though I don't have a problem with an aliens at all, it just it, it just sits a little bit better um, with Trudy. It was a
1: different time back then, even though I don't agree with it either. But still,
2: why does it disagree with it? I just it just it just fits a little bit better for me in this.
1: Janet Goldstein did a great job.
0: Yeah, she she did,
1: and she was also absent in this film surprisingly.
0: But come on, Michelle Rodriguez is is much more hot. <laughs> Maybe that's a drunk comment. Oh, there's, there's no
1: question. That uh, definitely helps. I'm not going to lie. She has very she has beauty to her. I will I will I fully admit to that.
2: <laughs> Breaking news everybody.
1: Oh goddamn. <laughs> uh hey, Caleb, Amanda Waller was in this I actually I don't know if you've technically seen her.
0: Oh, yes she was. CCA pounder. Yeah. Wait, which Amanda Waller did she play?
1: The actual Amanda Waller in, you know, the you know in, in uh, DCAU's version of Justice League. Oh,
2: okay, in the AU she plays her? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes,
1: in the in animated series, I honestly think she could play the live-action version of Amanda Waller, personally speaking.
0: P.S., uh, I've been editing our Godzilla King of the Monsters uh, review recently, and in yep. that we talked about CCH Pounder, because she was a cameo. Yes, that's right! And I said that she could have done a much better version of Amanda Waller than Viola uh, Viola Davis, Viola Davis. I I absolutely take that back after watching The Suicide Squad 2021 20, again. Man, she is fantastic in that movie. I forgot how great she can be in that role.
2: I don't know. I'm over her in that role at this point. I, I couldn't oh, stand man. it when she showed up in Black Adam. I'm so over
0: it. No, yeah, she's, she's bad in everything but that movie. And she's okay in Peacemaker in her few scenes, but in the actual Suicide Squad movie, man, she is fantastic. You got to go back. That movie in general.
2: I do. I've only seen it once.
0: Yeah, well, on a first viewing, I was like, "This is a pretty solid movie." Second viewing, and knowing knowing how everything turns out, man, it is so much better. That's a, that's one of the better superhero movies of the past ten years. Suicide Squad.
2: Whoa, whoa! High praise. I gotta see a full Maybe
0: list. Maybe top three.
2: Whoa! <laughs> I gotta see. I, I gotta see a. Gotta see a uh, it's not top three, but I gotta see a full list to make my mind up.
1: Is Winter Soldier still in there? It's still in there. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, I get, I, I completely forgot his name, but the, uh, guy that Deterius is posed to be patrol to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sute. Sute. Thank you. I don't know his actor. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I actually don't know.
2: Lyle Thank you. I think
1: he like performs good. I don't think there's like, okay. Caleb will obviously disagree
2: with me on this. I think there's no bad acting in this film. <laughs> Just, like... I definitely disagree. <laughs> 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 he start he disagreed with his first note in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's fair fair enough, so Oh, I didn't realize he was the same guy in the boys. Holy crap. Oh, who does he play? He's the black guy in the boys, of the team of the boys. Oh,
0: oh okay. Oh, okay, yeah, uh... yeah.
2: when he's trying to get back to his family life and he's like always pissed off at uh, well, Isaac seems to
1: Well he's never seen it. <laughs> but yeah, I've never seen it, so I have no idea.
2: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I haven't illegally watched it yet, oh, and I'm saying that yes, I am admitting to that. I have not illegally watched it. I didn't yet. realize
2: it was him because, like, the pictures of him that show up on IMDb show him younger. So I didn't, because he looks a bit older in the boys. I wouldn't even have uh, thought it was the same guy.
0: Well, that's what happens when time passes. I mean, I do think um, by the time those two characters kind of accepted each other, even though it was a played out thing that we've seen a million times, I still thought it worked well enough and when he died I was kind of like oh I'm kind of I think it's too bad that character is not going to continue into the sequel yeah I agree
1: would love to see what they where they go yeah. with that especially given that like they could have talked about like the fact that he stole his girl
2: <laughs> yeah he, he totally reminds me of um, Costner's character's uh, rival in the in the in the Sioux tribe like the, the, the young upstart Like it's, it's the same exact thing same dynamic and everything that said, I love it. I love it in *Desolation of the Wolves*. I love it in *Avatar*. Their relationship, etc.
0: I even thought that little montage of death—like we see Norm's avatar die, we see Michelle Rodriguez die—I thought the three of those together with the music was a pretty impactful little little scene there. It's like the war section of the movie. I thought that part worked, huh? Interesting.
2: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, *Return of the Jedi* when that when those two Ewoks are trying to get away from the ATST. And the one that gets shot and the one's just <laughs> lying there, and the one goes back and it rolls it over and it goes Uh
3: Oh
0: it's just as well done. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Exactly.
0: I think this is a little more
1: effective than the act
2: personally. That was very poignant to a young me. Me too, but that's yeah.
1: fair. <laughs> that's what, I didn't get that much like tears from that scene. It was mostly when like Darth Vader died. I was gonna say
2: because the scene that killed the top. I mean, like when you had like the triumvirate of death, It's almost like they need to jump cut to Palpatine. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, talking to Luke. It is inevitable. You'll see that this station is fully oh, operational.
3: Oh. Yeah,
1: I'm afraid your friends. That's it or uh, wait wait i'm afraid that your friends are uh, the deflector shield will not will still be operational
2: <laughs> yes that I'm...
0: i love his yeah his like tone of like oh i'm so sorry that your friends but underneath you can tell him he's like laughing internally that's such a great oh, moment he's,
1: sarc- he's so sarcastic there he's like he's so like just like eating it up
0: yeah as a little kid that seemed to my blood boil just like oh this guy's such an asshole <laughs> oh yeah <laughs>
3: Heck, your laugh even kind of sounds
1: like him. Uh, speaking, of, like, you know, speaking of bad CEOs, Um yeah, um,
0: yeah, that guy. I mean, he really does feel just like a like completely stock character. He brings nothing to the role. I'm, I'm sorry to that actor. I liked him on Friends, but he just feels like a cartoon in this as well.
1: Again, Carl Burke, this guy.
0: Yeah, Burke felt so much better.
2: I almost wanted Burke, the same actor, to be cast in the role and be arguing with Sigourney Weaver in this movie. Oh, what would have That
1: would have been interesting. That would have been so cool.
2: I think people would have been, like, they would have, like they do to Horner, they would have been clamoring on Cameron as being too much of, like, hawking his own shit.
0: In terms of casting, I really do think he would have been better, though.
2: I do, too. I just think people would have re- just reacted badly.
1: As so stupid as it was, the joke with, like, um... Uh, Sigourney, we are a uh, grace just kicking the coffee cup as he's like putting. I I don't know. That was just funny. <laughs> as generic as it was. Well,
2: what I thought was more more um, notable about that particular scene was I thought it was funny. Just like when you watch like Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, um, as a token example, because it's a 3D movie, you have there's like all these scenes in that movie where like the the axe is like flying right at your point of view or whatever. I thought it was funny because this is a 3D movie. That like the first shot we see of him is mm. like hitting that ball directly to the camera. And I, I just thought that was kind of funny in a throwback 3D kind of way.
0: No, that I didn't think about that, but that is funny.
2: There's a few scenes in this movie that when you're watching in 2D, you're like, oh, that is so for the 3D.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the old days. Back with like Friday the 13th Part 3, when they're just doing a yo-yo right into the, the camera. It's like, <laughs> oh, come on.
2: Yeah, there's not a lot in this movie, but there's a few parts that, you know camera or someone couldn't help themselves
1: (laughs) okay where the heck were we gonna go again i completely forgot (laughs) it was
2: something eric you were gonna say oh yeah what was it i I just had on the tip of my brain
0: um was it was it interior side boob that was distracting me in the theater especially
1: what the (laughs) every
2: time i watch this movie i'm looking for a nip slip every time (laughs)
0: <laughs> I w- in the theater, especially. I was like, "Oh, they're in 3 oh, di I'm definitely noticing this right now.
1: Out loud. why do I? Why do? Why am I associated with you guys?
2: Oh, the sister, the sister.
1: <laughs> oh, this. Thank you, the sibling. Thank you. Yeah, the extended. Okay, so not just not just the sister, but the extended cut as well, because we're we don't we, we didn't watch it. So like, uh, yeah, let's. Uh, so sister and and then extended cut.
2: So in a way, though, in the extended cut, I mean, he's not alive, but in a way, you get more of the brother arc. And certainly, it seems, the sister arc. Um, And that's really all that's different um, uh, with the versions. Um, Because you get about, of that 13 or so minutes, about half of that is more for the brother arc and the other half is for the sister arc. Um, So about the sister in particular, um, so I guess there's a scene in the extended cut. It's like the next visit to the Pandora... Biome. Okay, so Sully has his first trip, which is the one where it all goes sideways. And wait, no, wait. Oh, wait, now I can't think of the order. That was his first trip, right, to the surface um, <laughs> when he gets chased by the creature. And then he has to, like, survive. And he already meets the Navi, like, the next day. Okay, well, fine. It was his next scene with the scientists on the surface after that. Um, and on their next trip with the the um scientists um sully and dr grace go off into the woods and go to this like abandoned schoolhouse and he's like what is this and and she's explaining oh this is like an old place we used to have and now we just use it for storage and she's there just to pick up some things um but it's like an old schoolhouse uh and it's really decrepit or dilapidated at this point um And Jake notices there's, like, some bullet holes, like, on one of the walls. And he's like, what happened here? Like, what is going on? And eventually, she doesn't explain it all there. Um, She just... Grace just plants the seeds to explain later. But basically, um, Natiri and her sister... I can't remember her sister's name. They were, like, two of Grace's, like, brightest students when they were doing this thing, when they were educating Navi. Um, And they were, like, her two brightest students... But Natiri's sister, like, some of the younger Na'vi, you know, were, I guess they were getting, like, political. They were getting woke to, to, like, the colonizers um, being there and, like, you know, wrecking their planet. So Natiri's sister got in with, like, that group. And she started participating, like, in these kind of, like... Like civil unrest, like protests that they started doing. Her and the other young Navi, and they started like, um, like tampering like with those bulldozers, um, and so then she got killed along with some of those other like um, protesters, and then that like immediately ended all ties with the Navi and the scientists. It ended like the whole program of like immersion or whatever, and. Basically, the humans had never really ever had contact with the Navi since then.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I wish that was in the theatrical cut, because I was thinking, watching this movie, I kept being like, man, maybe I appreciate to some degree that James Cameron inserts some social commentary, but it feels so undeveloped. It's, it just feels like it doesn't have much value to be there. It almost feels like, like it's obligation to throw something in. But that would have added a little bit more color to it made it feel a little bit more fleshed out
2: and it definitely adds more to the scenes like you understand more of why Nateri is like so anti-human I almost want to say anti Yeah, for some reason uh, but it adds to that and it also adds to the scene to when Jake starts fussing with the, the bulldozer and, you, and when you watch the extended you get more of this like you can feel Nateri like, reliving her trauma or something mm when Jake... Well, at first, when Jake can't can't be awoken, um, now isn't this all a metaphor? That he was <laughs> asleep, and mm. then she woke him, and then he went against the industrial complex. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> There's a lot of mini-metaphors like that if you really want to suss them out in this movie.
0: Yeah, and they're there. I just feel like they don't really amount to much. That's kind of the, the downside. But that protest bit would have added a lot more dimension.
2: Yeah, and... For the Jake side of things in the extended cut, the opening is actually very um, Blade Runner, but, like, brighter looking. But Blade Runner, or if you've seen, like, the series Alter Carbon, um, has a kind of look like that. Hmm. Like, it starts off, like, in the Blade Runner kind of city-scape, nightscape. Um, and Jake's at a bar. He's already in the wheelchair and everything. And he sees, like... Uh, standing at the bar there's a guy and his girlfriend and they're getting into some type of argument or something and the boyfriend did something rude or crude to his girlfriend and and Jake is just sitting there in his wheelchair thinking about it like do I want to get involved And and then he just has like an expression like oh fuck this and so then he just rolls up in his wheelchair and he's like hey and then he like beats the shit out of the guy even though he's in the wheelchair obviously but he like beats the shit out of him and he gets kicked out of the bar. Um, and then conveniently, these like government types just show up. And then he, they're like, Is this the guy? Yeah. And then they already start explaining to him what's happened to his brother and how they want to bring him into the program. And they're just telling him, Hey, yeah, you got nothing going on, you know, but you're going to get paid pretty good just to go on this trip. And yeah, yada yeah. Yada. And, they, and they show more of the, uh, the cremation of his brother they show uh, more of that whole scene and scenario um so it takes like a good six minutes or so until then it then it goes right into like the the, the normal beginning of the movie hmm. interesting
1: so it was almost like a cold opening maybe not that but we've been an alternate opening there we go
2: and what i would have done if it if it was in the actual theatrical release what i would have done is i would have had that whole first six minutes being 2d And then when the movie gets to the same part where it starts in the actual movie, I would have switched it to 3D at that point.
1: You mad genius. That's awesome. Hmm. I like it.
0: (laughs) Eric, would you say that that's your preferred cut, the uh, extended?
2: When I first watched it a year and a half ago, the extended cut, at first I thought, you know, this stuff's kind of nice, but it's not necessary. And I get the part where there is something cool about jumping right into it. The way it does in the standard cut, that's kind of cool, I have to admit. But now, in the grand scheme of things, you certainly got to watch the full cut. Um, but,
3: eh,
1: I
2: guess the cut made sense. The cuts made sense at the time. Yeah,
1: no, I, yeah, I guess I could see that. If Disney would put those on uh, Plus, I don't know what's keeping them back unless it's camera. And speaking
2: of that, um, yeah, so... When I first watched this movie, I mean, in in recent times, a year and a half ago, so you know, I got the extended cut. Um, I had the disc somewhere, but I had the digital copy as well. And so, for the purposes of this discussion, I was watching that digital version on Vudu, and it was looking really shoddy on my premium equipment here. I mean, it it looked almost like 720p and like really like kind of like muddy looking. Like what is this? 2010? <laughs> the whole entire into- no, this is last night. I don't know, no, I'm I'm saying
1: like what is this? 2010? Oh.
2: And I was like, is this the way the movie always looked? And and I know back in the day they used to intentionally like yep. um de-clarify movies so that the CGI would be easier to blend with, and so I kind of thought as I was watching it last night that this was all intentional, and they dumbed everything down because it looks 2K or worse. Um, and I was like, "Wow, this doesn't look great at all." And I watched the whole damn extended cut like that, and it was just bothering me because I was like, "Man, I got all this fa- this fancy TV, and it just looks like like my TV is like like as if there was handprints covering like the whole screen or something." Cool. And so then, just I I, I had because I was doing this recently with other movies, and uh, *Clan of the Cave Bear* is extreme. extreme exceptionally different depending on what streaming service you look at it cuz they all have different digital cuts of it. And so I was comparing all that recently. And I was like, "You know what? I was like, "Oh shit, this is on Disney. I forgot. Let me look at that. Holy shit. It fucking looks amazing on Disney. Like it almost looks like it's 4K on Disney Plus." So, now I'm like really pleased again and 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 I'm I'm really looking forward. I'm assuming that when they release avatar 2 on 4k they're gonna make a dual release but who knows
1: big fingers crossed that they also do abyss and uh true lies but that's not gonna happen
2: that shit should have been out already as far as i'm concerned like leading up to this avatar
1: we've talked about it
2: yeah i don't understand i mean not just us the whole high def community has been talking about it forever so i don't know what the deal is with all that shit Maybe they'll do like Nolan because almost all the Nolans were released in 4K at the same time.
0: No, but for this movie overall, do we feel like we've kind of come to the, the end of the discussion here? Are we moving on to final thoughts? or
2: <sighs> There's just one more thing I had. All sure. right, Columbo, let's go. <laughs> that were. Okay, so obviously, to anyone hearing my voice, I, I'm a sucker for this movie. There's no doubt about it. But there's just uh, there was a couple things I mentioned it early in this conversation. It had to do with the Deus Ex Machina, and yeah, there was two parts that really kind of just like little niggles that I wish could be smoothed out for me. So the Deus, it, it, I don't know how else to define it except it, it's the natural version of. But how else can you define like when all is lost? For the Navi cause in, in the, the final showdown. For, for like, the actual creatures of Pandora to, like, get involved. I never really thought about it that much the previous times I saw it, but this most recent time, I really focused on that. And I don't know. That, that, I don't. It's just Deus Ex Machina, and that doesn't completely ruin it, but I. Sh- I don't know. It's, it's it was almost too much, uh, just to take in, philosophically or metaphorically, it was just almost too much. Because what Natiri was saying in the beginning, like the Force, like it doesn't just listen to like one person or one thing, but all of a sudden, it was like Pandora was whatever his name is from Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Like all of a sudden, it was like a living, sentient planet. Ego. Yeah, ego. Exactly. And it's almost like Pandora's ego all of a sudden like took stage and that's almost too much like for me to handle. Um, I, that's almost a bridge too far for me. And then the other part was because as I was watching the movie and trying to remember how the all the ins and outs of the plot because I I remembered of course the showdown with um, the colonel and the Terry and then jake it all happens outside where jake's body's being kept right so as i was re-watching i was trying to remember like how does the colonel even get to that location and like what the fuck it's like so where the colonel and jake were duking it out in the sky on the 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 battlecraft whatever hovercraft so they just happen to be flying right over where the 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 avatar sanctuary not the avatar sanctuary but wherever they're the little mobile unit they just coincidentally like went down right on top of where the human bodies were being kept and not only that but natiri who was in her own um arena of the battle just happened to be at the same spot too that was almost too much for me because why would you place that mobile unit right like in the heart of the battle like it should be off somewhere safe or something, and so that that was almost those two contrivances of the plot were almost too much for me, or those only things that really bothered me. That I don't know how you fix them, but ugh, that that was that was like the only stumbles I could really find in the movie. All right,
1: so number two, uh, you you could maybe like drum up to like just it was a like not foresight on the characters so you can almost say like that was a character mistake like intentionally (laughs) i I don't know which that does sound like an excuse number one uh jake goes to uh awa and lets awa read his mind and grace's mind and says this is what's gonna happen to this planet if you don't do something if you don't interfere basically Because then that's where Natiri gives the whole, like, Ewa doesn't choose sides, the first time we've heard that. And I assume she usually means, like, she doesn't choose sides when it comes to, say, uh, the other tribes uh, of the planet itself. Uh, but in this case, I think it's a different, since this is an oppressive invasive species, I think that's a different story. I think there can be an exception made here. And so, I think your question should be not, or your statement shouldn't be, I'm, angry that the Deus Ex Machina happened, it's like, why did the Deus Ex Machina happen at this point? Is it just the whole like movie at the turn of the tide turn of the tide, excuse me, Lord of the Rings style? Where like just as soon as like every like all hope is lost, all of a sudden like the stampede and the
3: horror. Oh, that's another happen. thing you and, reminded
2: like... me of when you said Lord of the Rings. Um because that was the other thing. That's the other issue you have to deal with Anytime it's done, especially in science fiction movies, um, whenever you have like the technological group going against like the indigenous nature group, because obviously George Lucas was obsessed with that because it's played out like a million times in his Star mm-hmm. Wars, and a million times more like in his offshoots of Star Wars, like with Filoni. and it's happened in other you know science fight um, franchises and fantasy and whatnot, and, and it's a trope. But the thing you have to deal with whenever you're doing with sci-fi or futurism, is, and I always think it like when I'm watching all kinds of other like cartoons and things that deal with the same issue, is, okay, the the, the Terrans' goal at the, at the final showdown is to take out like this holy place and this will, quote unquote, break the back of like the Navi people, um, not quote unquote, but figuratively, and then, okay. There is no attempt to get over the problem when this trope comes up anywhere which is why do they have to send an old-fashioned assault force like <laughs> yeah because they're in the future. Now I get it. You don't want to drop like a nuke because you want to mine, you know, the area and stuff. So you don't want to do that. But why can't you use some other tactical non like a drone? Like and then that's it. Like, have no battle. You just do that, and it's the end of the story. And I don't know how you can write around that. Like, there's no real way. Um, but like, it almost makes no sense. Like, ugh, I hate bringing up the Last Jedi, but one thing that people focus on in that movie, if you ignore all the other egregious things in that movie, um, is just like the opening scene where they're at like setting the bombers to like take um. out that 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 um dreadnought or whatever and people are like this doesn't make any sense like maybe in a world war ii scenario there's some kind of sense to it because people are like first of all why do you even have to do this and then secondly like why are the why do the bombers have to be slow and lumbering what's the, even the point of dropping bombs when the, you're in space like why do they even act like there's gravity mm. uh... like there's so much about it that makes no sense in terms of like physics or aerodynamics. And it's kind of like this. Like, why do you have to send this actual force like into the Pandora world? But again, I mean, because that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing you always have to deal with when, you, when you're dealing with like the prehistoric native species um, against the futurists. Like, I don't know. So that, that was almost a little bit too much for me as well. But what can you do? You know, the Na'vi have to have a chance. Um, and yeah. And I was thinking about what you were saying about um, him appealing directly to the deity. <sighs> See, maybe I'm twisted between like taking it for face value or just taking the metaphor. Because in a weird, the way Nateri explains it, it kind of makes sense. Like, just like in the real world or in Star Wars, like whether it's the Force or it's the invisible force in the real world, because you always have throughout history a right side and a left side. And there's always times when the right side seems to be stronger. And the pendulum always swings. And so it almost is as if there is an invisible force that keeps balance. Because there's times when the right has gone really bad and the left has gone really bad in history. And yet somehow it always, it always swings back no matter what. And it almost implies like an invisible force. So you could say that this whole... Climax of this movie and nature coming on is a metaphor for that, but it's so literal in the movie. I get it. Like ultimately, Nateri right. The DD is providing balance in in the in the moment, not necessarily appealing to one side, but creating balance. But the other hand, it's still Deus Ex Machina because it's literally taking control of all life on the planet and and making them like the ultimate hive mind. So. Is the a deity a, a boar queen or not? Is the question I'm posing to you guys.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll let Caleb ask, answer that.
0: <laughs> I think so. And again, I think that part of it is just really uninteresting. It's
2: so, <laughs> it's so vague. That's a way to brush it all away.
0: <laughs> it is. It is I, I tend not to think about it too much. So I'm like, ah, I just don't even care about that side.
2: But I will say, on a p- counterpoint to my counterpoint, um, again. What I was talking about with the philosophy of this movie, as in terms of philosophical right and left, it really plays fast and loose to where it's all over the place, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean to where things aren't so clear because it's so funny that, you know, like in Star Trek, I mentioned the Borg Queen. You know, the Borg are considered like the ultimate philosophical right because they 100% only follow rules. Whereas the humans in the Federation are like the more dynamic, individualistic people. But then, you know, that makes the Borg like the ultimate socialists, which makes them incredibly left. I don't know. It's really weird. And then in this, to even say the Navi or Pandora's Borg like makes it almost seem like machine and cold. Um, and so that's what I'm just saying. Like, your head will just be spinning forever trying to figure it. it's kind of like having a compass and putting some unobtainium next to it you just spin around in circles but anyway sorry <laughs> I'm not, I feel like I'm not contributing
1: it's it anyway. so funny by the way Eric that you mentioned a nuke because when we watched the, the, uh, the 3D re-release or the re-release of the movie I turned to him as soon as they were like going there with the payload and I went why aren't they using a nuke and then I just assumed like well maybe they just don't have nukes and then to your point of drones Well, I didn't see any drones. Now, we did see, the only thing we did see was that, like, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character, Trudy, she, like, somehow um, finicked some of her, like, her her side guns uh, on her her chopper. She, like, uh, mounted guns, there we go, on her chopper was, she kind of automated them. So, like, that's the closest thing when it comes to, like, centuries and drones. But other than that, we didn't see any drones. Therefore, there are no drones. <laughs> so, he wasn't thinking about it's that. Like,
2: he must have thought something. Because it's, it almost seems too perfect. But, again, then it makes it difficult for the actual story. Because, again, when you think about it, the Avatar bodies themselves are the ultimate drone. You know? Because it's, it's the yeah. ultimate putting your consciousness into something else. And it... And, And it's crazy because that's the thing that's I think is what makes this movie good, is because you do have the technological side versus the nature side, but the inherent natural technology is almost unfathomable in this movie. And they even say at one point all these connections between all the trees is like greater than like the human brain, but it almost makes sense because, I mean, you would think they would have the military would have drones because it's it's the best extension of like all their military vehicles. But then it turns out the nature side of Pandora has the ultimate drones when it literally can control its like, entire organic populace because um, that's what ultimately defeats. They're the ultimate drones, the whole nature force. Um, I don't know, it's just nuts. But <laughs> but I thought it was apt to like uh, comparing it to Lord of the Rings, like when you brought it up, because dealing with this argument or these arguments in this movie is like dealing with like the eagle argument. In the Hobbit, like, why couldn't the Eagle just um, <laughs> drop them off at Mount Doom so they could deposit the ring? Um, and it's because they needed to go on the journey. So I guess um, the Dee just held back to the last minute just so Jake and Aterian and the rest of them could go on the journey.
1: Yeah, uh, or they had to gather everybody together to make make, make it happen. It, was, <laughs> it, it make took a, a time to exactly make the fellowship.
2: It's the same thing, uniting you know, the Gondorans and the damn elves the
0: same thing. No, nope. But are we,
1: are we ready to head off to a... uh No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Not even close. Nope. It's, oh, like, funny no. how the... the <laughs> no, do, what do you... Do you think I'm done yet? No, oh. not even close, sir. Um, So, like, it's the reverse of aliens uh, because it's now, like, the military going to wipe out the... And you just questioned, like, why don't you just, like, take off... <laughs> why don't you take off and nuke the whole site from orbit? That, that was my original question of like, well come on cameron, I'm just gonna like, you know, question your existence and why aren't you sending in Terminators as well? How come there's no robots?
2: <laughs> Maybe me think of some other things. <laughs> because
1: I'm an enabler, I'm sorry Caleb.
2: You know you know, I was late to the game of realizing I was like one of the last people to discover that xenomorphs like depended on like like they took on attributes of their host. You know? I, I didn't yep. I, I didn't realize that in the lore until late in the game. And um so because I'll, you know, just like everyone else who's a fan of Cameron's works, you almost want to link all his movies to all being in a shared universe. And so I was just like, man, what if a xenomorph, like, took a Na'vi host? Like, oh my God, what kind of, what kind of creature would come out of that? It just seems like...
1: You should see what happens when a, a xenomorph, or when a facehugger uh, impregnates Darth Vader. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. I'm not kidding you.
2: Okay. Oh, okay. i okay, that's a thing. Okay.
1: That's a thing. I mean it. That is a real thing. I'll
2: look that up later. Uh but but besides that thought experiment, again that god, there's so much connective fluid connective fluid? Um connective tissue there you go. Uh, between between these camera movies because again, like they're the aliens and alien in aliens and aliens. Um they are like the ultimate again nature coming together going against like the techno marines and that's that's the end game because everything gets bad when you push it too far. If the Navi and Pandora became their ultimate cells, they would basically be operating like like damn alien the Xenomorphs in the Alien's movie as as the ultimate like... team under one queen.
1: Except the fact the Na'vi are individualistic and, uh, Zetomorphs are collectivistic. Uh, obvious homages when Jake's on Korch's ship, uh, he lands on a missile, that's, you know, missile from, uh, true lies that's what it was from yes
2: oh except
1: this time he didn't fire it and this time he didn't do the master arms and all stuff yeah yeah
2: yes that's what it was i knew there was something about that that was tugging at me which
1: is great because having watched true lies now i get what that is like from 13 years ago so that's awesome uh and then of course we have (laughs) again cameron at the end he has to he's he's always like not one upping but he's he's doing the power loader versus the alien queen again uh just like he did in um true lies yeah. where it's it's the harrier jet instead um this time it's Quarch in his uh, uh power armor and might i ask i maybe you guys kind of already mentioned this but what did you guys think of the like technology on the human side overall did you like it did you think it was unique or was it just kind of bland and didn't have any personality to it yeah uh, relatively bland I would say. I figured. I figured you'd say that.
2: Overall, I liked it, and I liked you. You could see the evolution of the 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 aliens' aesthetic of the Marines and whatnot. I, you know, you could see the the connections there stylistically, which I liked. The only thing I didn't like now is that all those translucent screens. They are so amazing when you watch the movie in 3D, but watching yep. in 2D. They seem like they make no sense. Like they seem like you would not do it like that. Like it would I can see what you mean. Because like I have because I'm a weirdo, I have four mon no. I have three monitors surrounding me right now. Oh no, I have four monitors surrounding me right now.
1: Dude, people
2: have eight monitors, so that's not weird. So I have four monitors surrounding me right now. If all of them were clear, that would be infuriating. You know what I mean? Like trying to like discern everything and being able to see through them. It would be the worst. So, yeah, it doesn't make any sense in two D, but in three D, that was one of the marvels of the movie. Was for me was just seeing all those translucent screens and how they looked in three dimensions.
1: Speaking of which, speaking of marvels, that man did like the MCU. Like I know they probably were doing some stuff with Iron Man from 08. But man, either either like it was just like a coincidence that they kind of landed in the same way. But man, did the MCU take a lot of stuff from Cameron in this film? Oh wow! Like holy smokes, is the helicarrier not similar to some of the uh, ships in uh, in this film?
2: Kinda, but the helicarrier did exist like that in comics before, you know.
1: It did, but I'm talking about the look itself, like the inside, like in in the movie itself. So I feel like they were using a lot of the like this movie as a reference
2: well maybe this movie but also like even like those jets that i don't know whatever they're called in the marvel in the mcu jets yeah even those though i mean once you had that iconic dropship like in the aliens movie i feel like anytime you like you're playing halo or whatever the thing is like everything harkens back to aliens somehow like the look of the future like military stuff
1: um and then yeah i think the I kind of like the designs of the mechs Uh, I I think they were meant to be a little more practical looking and again well not even that the freaking power loader isn't practical. I'd say it is probably something that we can make eventually one day but the mechs at least I think are the closest thing we'll ever get to a mech like we're never getting Gundams and this is the next best thing so like you said it's just not the Japanese
2: have their way
1: I mean the Japanese have their way I get get that but this is like (laughs) (laughs) because
2: it seems like them and even I've seen some Korean stuff lately they seem to be, like, obsessed on making that a reality some way, somehow, one day. That's
1: true. But this one, I'll say this, Cameron. Like, if if the power loader is, like, the industrial version, or at least, you know, the, the, the shipping version of, like, a mech, this is the military version of a mech. Yeah, certainly. Um, and, like I said, at the end, we get basically the reverse of Aliens once again where it's Jake and Etiri, and she's on one of those uh, jaguars. I know they're, they're called something else, but like it's a jaguar, basically. And the jaguar clearly looks like an alien queen, and so it's going <laughs> up against the mech. Um, and then I also realize that it's a knife fight between Jake and Korich afterwards, after the um, uh, giant cheetah or panther is killed. And so it's called back to uh, the Abyss with um, Virgil and Coffee, Uh, with their knife fight except there's no like hanging um uh, what is it light light fixture in between them and this time you can actually see everything cameron doesn't cut he actually holds on the shots like i gotta give credit where credit is due thank you cameron you finally made like an action scene or a hand-to-hand fight scene that like you know you didn't do quick cuts to thank you very much it's so crystal clear It's great. You can see everything. I I love it. I'm sorry. I just, I just have to praise that.
2: what movie were we, I think me and Caleb were talking about recently. Or maybe it was the three of us. What were we talking about? Something that had like steady cam that was like intrusive.
1: Oh golly. Um, It was a recent
2: conversation we had.
0: Fudge. um,
1: Caleb
2: was saying that there was like steady cam. It was Kenobi. Oh, it was Kenobi. Yeah. That's what it was.
0: But it wasn't steady. It was handheld.
2: Yeah. There was handheld. There was a quite a fair amount of handheld. I noticed Watching this recently, and I thought actually it all worked well. Um, like it, it added to it, and especially if I was watching it in 3D, it would have added to it because it wasn't overbearing to where it'd make me sick or distract me. I don't think, but I did notice there was quite a fair amount of it in this movie.
1: Oh golly, and if I may say so, just as the action guy, um, yeah, so like so clear, everything you can see. Like other than like, yes, I agree
2: with that. A million percent
1: other than like maybe like characters on the screen then like that take up like you know your attention everything is clear yeah like you can see everything especially the fact that again he chose this intentionally the fact that all the human um all the human technology looks very bland gray steel you know a lot stuff and the Navi are all like colorful and whatnot he ch- you know he picked his colors properly so you can clearly tell like who's who you know it's again it's like you know you tell what's uh an air carrier or an aircraft and the other is an actual bird or um, a flying beast so but again any any action and whatnot it just everything is he just he pulls the camera back and you just see everything and it's like there you go like that's what happens when you plan your shots and you know exactly what you're doing like that this is a just, yeah, whatever. Sorry, I just want to give praise to him on that. Like, thank you, Cameron, for that. I don't know what you guys thought about the action. You guys probably could have oh, no. but yeah.
2: Absolutely. Compared to some things that we mentioned late, because I'm one of those people, I think, like Haley, who gets lost in the token action, especially like in big MCU fight scenes or in like a million mm-hmm. other movies out there. I generally tune out. But in this movie, I noticed, even though it was the token final battle, which you saw coming, even if you hadn't seen the movie before, even though that was the case... Everything was so 100% clear. You knew exactly what was happening. The whole progression is perfect. It was
1: perfect. Well, on a story level, you could, couldn't could care less. On a technical level, you got to give props. Caleb, anything
0: to add or no? Yeah, no, I, I, I mainly liked it all. I thought it all worked definitely, definitely better than like MCU, like Black Panther.
2: Oh, God, that movie is so bad.
0: The big kind of epic battle at the end—I just tuned out. <laughs>
1: That's what happens when you don't pay your art, your visual effects artists.
2: After watching it recently, it's—it's—it's it's, it's almost like my least favorite MCU movie of all. Oh
0: wow. <sighs> um, I do think oh, that man. it goes on too long, and we mentioned that the the climax feels a bit like an anti-climax. Um, we're talking about Avatar, for right? Avatar. We're
1: about, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, makes
0: sense. Just making sure. But I think for the most part, I do like the at least the beginning part of that big epic battle. It just starts to go on a bit too long for me and I start to feel like okay the movies you know it's getting it's getting pretty un, unwieldy in the lengthwise Sun's
2: getting pretty low guys
0: <laughs> yeah but that's typical for for Cameron at this point so what do you expect
2: for me it was just right and when I those times I saw it the movies it used to amaze me that when I saw it in 3D at the actual theater the movie never felt like three hours to me. Like, it always felt like a two-hour or less experience just because of how the movie would take me away.
1: Okay. One last thing. I got one last thing before the last thing. Just one more thing. Oh, boy. Okay, (laughs) you go ahead.
2: (laughs) Okay, so... I thought I had watching it yesterday was... If the way Navi copulate is by connecting their braids...
1: USB ports? (laughs) Sure.
2: (laughs) Which, when I was watching it this time, I almost thought Quarch was going to cut his his braid off, and I was I was getting really I, I couldn't remember if that happened or not, and I was starting to freak out.
1: Holy smokes, <laughs> that actually would have meant something. Yes, it Oof. would have been
2: a lot of things. Yeah, and I couldn't remember what happened when I was watching it yesterday. But anyway, even better than what happened. <laughs> so if that's how they copulate, are the Navi like regularly engaging like in bestiality?
1: uh no because then they would have be having sex this is a little different because they're connecting minds not having sex unless you're saying like they're having mental sex because that's a different
2: i don't even know because i feel like if i translate this into human terms if i like mount a rhino in the physical sense hey it there's nothing sexual this is just how i control it
1: wait wait wait. so are you getting on top of the rhino when you say mount are you like literally sticking your dick inside its butt yeah i think he meant
0: more uh Okay, penetrative.
2: Yes, uh, I'm talking about like the roller skate key going into the keyhole. And it's like, hey, I'm not attracted to rhinos in any way. There's nothing sexual about it. This is just how I control it. But it's still something.
0: Wait, did we see when, when Jake and Atiri, uh fucked did they did they use their little head bits or was it something more uh Yes, they did.
2: Oh a hundred percent they connected the head bits. Yeah.
0: See, I thought that wasn't the sex, I thought it was just like a mind meld type of deal. Well
2: I I I considered it as a mind meld, but also copulation.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought they would have mind melded, and then we between cuts is when they, yeah, they got down and dirty with the. Uh...
2: You know, I kind of had that thought too. Maybe like this this time watching it was like that. Maybe that's just part of the copulation is hooking up the USB ports, um, <laughs> because because then maybe there is still a sexual act. You know. To get the dna flowing but that seems kind of weird because that's like what well, i need to connect the usb when i've already connected the network cable it kind of seems like redundant at that point
0: point. one of them's like the 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 key code to connect into the this energy source of life then the other carries the reproductive genes that's what i thought but maybe that's maybe, maybe that i i don't know i didn't think about it too much
2: anyway it was, it was a facetious question in the first place but i never really th- about it, but the reason I focused on it is because that early joke in the movie, which I think is really funny, when he's when Jake is like sussing out his knobby form, and, and Grace says, you better be careful, you're gonna go blind. I always thought that was a funny joke. Oh, um, yeah, that probably flies over most people's heads, or maybe I just think because I'm elitist or something, elitist snob.
0: Oh, no, I think that's a pretty common uh, yeah,
2: no, but do I when I when I saw the movie with a, a auditorium filled with 250 people. I don't know what the breakdown was of people who heard that line and understood what she was getting at.
1: Um, so I think it's my naivety, but I actually didn't get that until now. I was like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, it's see? like the
0: masturbation thing."
1: Yeah, there you go. You just, I just proved your point. I'm like, "Oh, okay.
2: thank you very much. Thank you very much. See, see, case in point. Thank you. thank you.
1: Wow. I am, even though sometimes I sound like I'm pretty like obscene and perverted in the head." <laughs> I really am not. It's just a freaking
0: uh, all affront. But that is an old school, an old school type of joke.
2: It, that's the thing. It's old school. I don't know, like, the new generation. Because when I see all these videos with Gen Zers who, who don't know what rotary phone means and all kinds of stuff like oh that, my God. I feel like th- that reference will, like, file into that category for them. Like a Harry Palms, too? Yes, exactly. I was about to say that. I don't think a Gen Zer will get, like, if I say Harry Palms, what is that in reference to? I don't think any of them would get it.
1: Yeah. Or a date with Rosie Palms. Oh
2: boy!
3: Oh boy!
1: But no, I I'm <laughs> gonna answer your question saying no that the Navi are not in, now. It's not to say they can't. Oh god! But I'm saying at least what we are presented on screen. No, we do not see any acts of bestiality because they're It's not
0: bear part two. Sorry.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? A, dear, that's what that's what the second book would be called. Dear, and, and,
2: and the way all these biological creatures work on this planet the way they can all hook up like oh my god if i was a navi on pandora i would be looking for every creature around me and just trying to connect to everything just to see like what would happen
0: <laughs> no but isaac you your final uh final bit there what, what do you got all right this could go for i don't know uh, another like few minutes oh, or god.
1: this could just be end, and it's an egg on my face because well, I was thinking about it, and my millennial brain kept going, and I was just like, <laughs> "So, is this kind of a topic on trans-ethnic debate?
0: Uh, oh, 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 like transracial?
1: Is that what you're trying to say?" No. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, trans-ethnic. Well, I guess it's the same yeah. thing, right? Like transracial. Yeah, just the idea that. I
0: think I think transracial was the one that was like popping up in the the zeitgeist for okay. like five minutes. Okay, fair enough. Why was that popping uh, cause up? Cuz of that one chick, what was her name? Rachel Dolezal, I think. I think that Oh, was because her of her? Yeah, she was making she was going around doing a ton of interviews all over the place and yeah, giving it a little bit of a a buzz for like minutes. You mean
2: like recently? Like coming back? Like recently? Oh, no, no.
0: This was this was like what like 2013, 2012. Oh, you're saying yeah.
2: when it happened? Cuz I remember the whole affair. I wasn't sure if she was like making the rounds again or something.
0: Oh, she's tried, but no one no one's biting anymore. I mean,
2: yeah, I, I hope
0: I hope, to goodness,
1: this is not like a, a movement that does pick up because I think it's completely harmful uh, and yeah, is pretty much wrong at the core of the idea. Um, mm. But I was wondering whether or not this film does have
2: some of those ideas in it.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's too far moved into the science fiction realm. To have too much bearing. I feel
2: like I see it more I think I see it more in the trailer for the next movie than I see it in this movie.
0: That's yeah, that is interesting. Mm.
1: Interesting. Okay. I don't know if you can agree with or disagree with that, Caleb.
0: No, I, I, I yeah, I'm not sure. I I guess I just have to wait and see. Huh? Okay. Fair
1: enough. But like do do you think I, I'm not I'm not I am not here labeling James Cameron problematic or like this is, you know, why did he he do this, but like Am I am I just projecting here at this at this in this point or or no?
0: Oh, I could see people making video essays. Yeah, if you have a particular political leaning, you could definitely tear this movie apart to some degree. I just don't know how much value there is in that.
2: No, but is is it is it more a transracial thing or is it just a trans thing in the traditional trans sense? Because just just yeah. the idea of literally being able to change your body but retain your consciousness.
1: But it's also transcultural by that point.
2: Or, I don't know if that's... Well, yeah, way. in this particular movie, I get it, but... I don't know if that's a thing or not. In this movie, for, for sure. I feel like I heard that term recently. Transcultural.
1: But... Well, you yeah, I heard it on here now.
2: But, I mean, is it just a metaphor in general of literally changing your body completely?
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. This is, you know...
0: Again, you could read into it. I don't know how much is actually there textually, but, but you could read into it, maybe. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe. Probably. I just, at least with the transracial part is at least there in that, like, it's a white man becoming, like, a different... Well, it's also, like, trans species as well.
3: <laughs>
1: if I'm going even further than that, but, like... Yeah, so you, maybe I'm a little bit incorrect on that, but, like...
2: Oh, man, now you got me thinking... See, I feel like i on my shrooms now. See, see what I knew? I knew, I'd, I knew <laughs> I'd say that.
1: I knew that was going to happen.
2: Uh, no, because you got me thinking, because I used to talk about, like like with the movie Inception with Nolan, I'm not the only person who's brought this up before, but early on, I was one of those people who had the idea on my own that it's almost like the whole point of the movie, like Inception, is that, yeah, there's the actual plot and the story and, and Leonardo DiCaprio, but really what it is, is Nolan's essay on Hollywood or motion pictures themselves that, you know, because they had all the jobs like the architect and everything. Mm-hmm. And basically Christopher Nolan is the ultimate architect. He, he creates this whole, it's like, it's like in it is, is an essay on making a movie because every movie has sets and actors and everything. And the whole point of every movie is trying to immerse you in that story for the time you sit with it. To, to take you away to you know on this journey of whatever the movie is and so inception is basically breaking it all down to its parts because the whole concept of inception because the whole trick is try to put an idea into someone's head and make it their own uh, they'd be like the ultimate movie where you like are really experiencing it is like that inception is avatar a vehicle for like in Cameron's mind is this supposed to be a vehicle? For the audience to have the ultimate immersion themselves and be taken away, almost like you're playing a first-person um, perspective video game. Is that like kind of like the concept he's going for? I think mean, that's what the Avatar is, and so is he trying to like say that this is a way to like completely experience like another worldly story. I don't.
1: <sighs> I mean, by that point, you should have just had. Jake Sully be called protagonist. Well, that's what, that's what <laughs> I
2: was thinking. But see, that's why it makes sense to me. Just like when they talk about protagonist in the Tenet movie, and I'm like okay with it because it's not really important who he is. I apply the same argument to Jake Sully, Sam Worthington. Like I'm like, yeah, it's not even important who he is um, because he's just he's just our frame of reference character.
0: Yeah, it's like in uh, They Live, where the main character is never named and he's credited as Nada because they're like, it doesn't matter. Oh,
1: that's right. Oh I forgot, I forgot about that.
0: I forgot
2: that point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more subscribing to the fact that like it was either you or Caleb who said this is like a superhero origin story.
0: I don't think I said superhero, but I did say origin story.
1: Okay, sorry, that's what it was. My bad.
2: Definitely an origin story.
1: Um, but I think it could sort of apply to like what you're saying as like the ultimate like immersion for people, I guess, to see through these these eyes. Yeah, I, could, I I see what you mean. I don't know how much I can argue against it, but I'm like, I think you have a I think you have a foot in in that door.
0: Well, we finally arrived at the uh, yes, the final thoughts <laughs> section there, and I'll go first <laughs> after four hours thirty four minutes. Yeah, at least we had like fifty minutes of another discussion that'll be removed, so it won't. It's not quite that long, but oh, but I'll say for me, uh, my opinions for this movie, it is funny. Uh, how different it was watching the theater and then watching it at home. Because in the theater, um, I felt a lot more carried away with the movie. Even though I still thought that Jake was not really the best kind of vehicle to drive us through the movie. It was kind of like, ah, if I could have any had anyone else, I might have liked it more. But I still felt emotionally impacted during the scene when Home Tree gets destroyed. And during some of the, those end battle sequences, I thought it just carried me to a different place. So it's, yeah, it's it's again a... It's a curious one i don't know how to react to the movie where i could have such a differing reaction seeing it in the theater versus at home and i felt that every time i've watched it at home every time i've watched it on my small screen i'm just kind of like ah, if the movie feels lesser it feels uh less interesting so i don't know i don't know what that says about a movie that has that kind of reaction but coming into this james cameron retrospective i was expecting me to think that this was the worst of his movies but having watched them all, I do think that the, the Abyss, the theatrical cut, is definitely worse than this movie. So, And I think, honestly, the director's cut's probably slightly worse, too. <laughs> so so I, d- th- that's definitely a bonus for this one. I think all of his movies up to this point have been solid. Uh, this is on the lesser end, but still solid. So, so there you go. Whoever's next, you guys pick.
2: i <laughs> go <about> next. Sure. <laughs> so one thing you reminded me of just listening to you is like just the visual aspect. One thing I appreciate about this movie that distinguishes it from most typical blockbusters at home. I love that this movie at home takes up the full frame of mm. the screen as opposed to the regular two thirty five. Um that vast majority of blockbuster type movies go that route. Um, and the fact that it takes up the full frame, it, it It makes it have as best you can simulate like an imax feel at home so i do appreciate that off the top but that being because it it does help give something more to me you know sans uh 3d at home that being said you know honestly (laughs) obviously i'm a fanboy of this movie um back in 2000 i kept saying like how this is this is like on the map and i still say it to some extent but like how 2001 has a significant place like in sci-fi movies and movies in general and the original star Wars. I think avatar is in the same conversation. Oh wow. Despite whatever flaws you think there may be in, in the the plotting or the characterization or whatever. I think it's a very significant piece of work um, that stands out with the other notable movies like that, like wizard of Oz and other notables like that throughout the history of cinema. Okay, that being said, um, I, I yeah, I'm a fanboy. I, I really love almost everything about this movie. I said the things that are kind of iffy for me, but in the grand scheme of things, I really just love this movie. Um, and like with Titanic, most recently, I gave that a perfect score of five out of five. I would also give this movie five out of five. Now, I will say, though, because not all five out of fives are all equal to each other. The one thing Titanic had over this for me was that Titanic still hits me on a much deeper level emotionally, like internally, yeah. inside, um, with 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 old Rose and the reflection on losing Jack. Oh my God, that one and that one. I mean, God, I was like in tears again watching that. I don't get to tears at any point in this particular movie, um, though I do get moved by the emotional parts as you're supposed to. So that's the one place where titanic if i had to put them side by side I, like on that level titanic is a better movie but just as a breathtaking accomplishment overall this is the movie and and not just of all cameras works but of most movies <laughs> out there um as far as in terms of like breaking the the modern barrier of what's possible um this is still just about the biggest like in recent memory as far as pushing filmmaking um, even though it's unclear how it's pushed anybody else um, <laughs> because yeah. it's still like in a but but 2001 was kind of like that like it happened and it took a fair amount of time before other people were starting to pick up what had been put down by Kubrick um, in terms of effects and etc so I mean yeah that's it I freaking love this movie and and I think. It's either Cameron's first or second best as far as I'm concerned uh, when just restricted to his own work um, and it's just amazing uh, so, yeah.
0: Oh by the way sorry Isaac for you to begin. that's okay. I will say I think I like this person true lies too so this would be the uh... second one <laughs> not the second one <laughs> what's the second one so if this is out of the there is no second one it's just Isaac's uh... his trophy joke running gag. So this would be in the number five slot, I think, for me. Just below uh, uh, T2. So, so, there you go. <laughs> okay, well, I wasn't going to do...
1: I'm not doing my like counter... Yeah, I'm not doing my whole like meter until you know after this is all, yeah, all over. Yeah, the next film. <laughs> yeah, in the next film. But, um, yeah, for my final thoughts, um, I did enjoy this film the first time I watched it with Caleb uh, in the theater. And... Uh-huh.
0: I, like I like I said what? Oh, just uh, uh, not nothing. I just I was like the first
2: time. Did you all see this together in two thousand nine?
0: No, we didn't even know each
2: other oh. at that point. I don't, I don't
0: think.
1: think. No, 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 no. We had no clue who each other was. But I'm saying like when we saw this like a month yeah. ago, uh, I I said to him when we did Terminator two the next night, I'm like, or the same night, I was like, I wish we were doing Avatar now because <laughs> so I could I have everything to say. But actually, honestly, like I'm glad we did it. Waited until now because I would not have thought of all this stuff. I mean, I'm glad I let these thoughts germinate for a month. But when I rewatched watched it for like, you know, just, just to remind myself of stuff. Yeah, it was it was not a great experience. Not not a great experience, but it's just like yeah, it's not as wowing as, as Eric said on like, you know, a two D or yeah, a home screen. Um but like I did find enjoyment. I could see I will see myself watching this like every few years. Yeah and having fun with it again whereas like with aliens i'm not gonna say you know every every year or something like that but like no yeah i can see this like once every few years and being like oh yeah i could see like the good the bad and the stuff that i wish could you know be a little better like you know seeing this is like a would you say this is like a first draft galeb or like a second draft uh like script wise yeah script wise what do you think do you think there's like a is this a second draft or a first draft
0: oh that's interesting well, it, it feels like a working script. It feels like the real emphasis was the post-production. And the script was just uh, yeah. the skeleton that he needed to, to hang all that post-production work on. Mm, I see. Okay. So the the finished product is, yeah, definitely many, many drafts. But maybe the script was the least important part for, for Cameron. I see. There you go. So Well,
2: I weirdly agree with what... Caleb just said I still feel like it feels like a tenth draft to me at the same time. <laughs>
0: that's fair <laughs> yeah,
1: fair enough. so you know I wish uh, yeah there could have been more done here but I think in that in that sense, uh, that's why he promised okay I don't want to like make these accusations pardon me, <laughs> but like accusations. he is hinted at sequels that he wants to continue into this world. It's just taking a stupid amount of time to do so. Uh, to make to make the film work again. So, or just re- fully realize that world again, so I don't know... <laughs> I know the next one is either slated for the same day as Sonic two, Sonic 3, which is funny, or uh, it's not gonna happen at all, because if this move, if Way of Water doesn't make its budget, then, like, or doesn't make, like, a certain amount of money, then he's not making a third film. And I'm like... Yeah right. But haven't they oh, already wow. filmed
2: elements for some of the other sequels? I don't
0: know. I yes. couldn't even tell. Oh, okay, I can okay. tell you. Uh, not only is three completely filmed, but the first act of four is also filmed. Jesus Christ! What the flip? And they said that three is pretty much a guarantee to happen. Um, it just if two doesn't do well, then three will probably be the last one. That that wow. sounds realistic to me. I mean. Wow. Yeah, and he said that he constructed it in a way that if three needs to be the end, it can be the end, but it's like there's still room for more. It's not like that scene of the story, but he's built it in a way that just in case. And that's another thing that
1: I realize is that unless like, you know, something happens to James Cameron because, you know, a lot of like people in the slit in the hollywood have been you know dropping like flies oh, no. now so any, any any day now jimmy it could be jimmy zen and i just oh, pretty much goodness. like i jinxed it for him yep. i'm a terrible for human being i'm yep. going to hell for this but like you know this doesn't feel like his last film like this does not feel like his very last film i don't know if this is his as i opened the, this whole like i i posed this uh this cut speak speakeasy with like a statement on is this a his magnum opus I feel like one of these sequels is going to be his magnum opus that will surpass Mm. Titanic somehow.
2: I think it's like the first act of his magnum opus. Yeah.
1: Pretty much. (laughs) Like, if this is like the Fellowship of the Ring, I'm not saying it's the equal, like, you know, it's in the same, same, like, vein as Fellowship, but, like, yeah, scope, yes. I I just mean, like, quality. Thank you. Like, people love Fellowship of the Rings. I think people will say Fellowship is better than this. (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Um, that's triggering some jimmies there, but
0: <laughs> some jimmies
1: No, I, 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 I get it. It's um, but just for this film alone, I shouldn't. Like I said, I shouldn't compare it to its sequels. That's another thing: is does the sequels enhance this film? In fact, make that's, it better? There's, there's no way to, to answer this that. This is
2: like postulating on Return yeah. of the Jedi in 1978.
1: <laughs> It pretty much is, which never existed though. But nobody would ever thought it
0: would exist. But oh yeah, it's the next film, *Empire Strikes Back*.
1: So
2: *Star Wars*, end right now, does it need sequels? Yeah, let's
0: let's maybe, yeah, let's save this for next time. Let's maybe move towards the but, end. But here. Yeah, yeah, sequels exactly. or
2: or multiple films, because I couldn't stop thinking about *Dune* when I was watching this movie last night. Gosh. Comparing it to *Dune*, because there is so much in this movie. And now I almost was thinking like, like the new Dune. Damn, this movie could have been two parts itself, and it could you could easily pad both both halves of the movie.
1: Yeah, actually, I'd also say that Dune CGI is really good as well, <laughs> even though it's a lot of models as well. I'm aware of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a thing. Yeah,
1: because it's Villeneuve. Um, okay, no, but to the film itself, um, I enjoy it, but only in like very like. Uh, what is it? Um, separated amounts between, like you know, uh, year not yearly, but like distance-wise of time. I need to mm. uh, see it every, like you know, a few years, and uh, then I enjoy it. But as a regular thing, I'm like, yeah, it's it's, it's it, well, I'm good.
2: Even I wouldn't watch this on a regular basis as much as I love it. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I, I would, but I would, I would, definitely recommend it for just seeking it out to watch. Uh, for the visuals, and to like, yeah, just for on a technical level, this is amazing. This is an incredible film, but the script may leave you wanting more and being like, oh, they could have done something else, but it is what it is. With
0: that, the
1: speakeasies are Yeah,
0: do you have any final uh, final words of wisdom for us? Once again,
1: thank you, Caleb and Eric, for joining us on this journey. And uh, on this speakeasy, this very, very long one. Oh my god, yes. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But thank you for sticking with us. To all those who listened, uh, appreciate it. Um, Let us know what you thought, if you want. Um, And if you had the opportunity to go to a new theme park that's similar to Westworld, in a way... Uh -uh but it's like Pandora, where you pilot, remotely pilot these bioengineered beings. Is that a new culture in of itself? <laughs> Is it also like, you know, bringing back a dead culture from millennia ago? <laughs> I don't know, till next time. <laughs>
2: I was gonna say if you could go to a theme park where you could mount all the beasts from Pandora, uh, sign me up.
0: Oh no!
1: So what? Uh, all right. If we want to ask that question, which uh, oh, no. which beast would you uh, want to get down and dirty with?
2: Well, I want to see the sequel because I think it's a jellyfish for me. <laughs> so, hold on. Sure. Can we can we do like a technical timeout since? Um, since Isaac took, took a timeout, can I take a timeout? And also because I don't want to continue without him being able to react.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, I, like, just was joking because – Oh, I thought you were mean,
2: being – I thought you literally did step out, and I thought that's why – I thought, I felt like me and Caleb were dancing. I was literally
1: here the whole time. I just you – know, I, I felt
2: like me and Caleb were dancing on our own for, like, the last seven oh, minutes. Oh, that's so funny. Well, no, honestly, I, I knew you were I joking.
3: Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. because didn't it was it a earlier. joke. Oh, no, at first I thought you were joking, but then because it got so quiet – I thought, oh, he's being serious.
1: I mean, I was going to add stuff, but, like, I don't know, it's going to pass now. But, like, yeah, I was going to well, add some well, since like
2: the stuff. Ti- well, since the timeout, can we still do the timeout? Because I still need to make a timeout.